Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God, for today, January the 5th. We ask you, Lord God, to be with us. Keep us safe in everything that we do, Lord. And give us new years in ICC. We thank you for this new year. And Lord, today your word is pertinent to our situation, Lord. And we thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, that we are in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Genesis 11, chapter 1 to 13, verse 4. At one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there. They began saying to each other, Let's make bricks and harden them with fire. In this region, bricks were used instead of stone, and tar was used for mortar. mortar. Then they said, Come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. Look, he said, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world, and they stopped building their city. That is why the city was called Babel, because that is where the Lord confused the people with different languages. In this way, he scattered them all over the world. This is the account of Shem's family. Two years after the great flood, when Shem was a hundred years old, he became the father of Arphachad. Arphachad. After the birth of Arphachad, Shem lived another 500 years and had other sons and daughters. When Arphachad was 35 years old, he became the father of Shelah. After the birth of Shelah, Arphachad lived another 403 years and had other sons and daughters. When Shelah was 30 years old, he became the father of Eber. After the birth of Eber, Shelah lived another 403 years and had other sons and daughters. When Eber was 35 years, 34 years old, he became the father of Peleg. After the birth of Peleg, Eber lived another 430 years and had other sons and daughters. When Peleg was 30 years old, he became the father of Reu. After the birth of Raoul, Peleg lived another 209 years and had other sons and daughters. When Raoul was 32 years old, he became the father of Sherug. After the birth of Sherug, Raoul lived another 207 years and had other sons and daughters. When Sherug was 30 years old, he became the father of Nahor. After the birth of Nahor, Sherug lived another 200 years and had other sons and daughters. When Nahor was 29 years old, he became the father of Terah. After the birth of Terah, Nahor lived another 119 years and had other sons and daughters. After Terah was 70 years old, he became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. This is the account of Terah's family. Terah was the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran was the father of Lot. But Haran died in Ur... 
of the Chaldeans, the land of his birth. While his father Terah was still living, meanwhile Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abraham's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. Milcah and her sister Iscah were daughters of Nahor's brother Haran. But Sarai was unable to become pregnant and had no children. One day Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarai, and his sons Abraham's wife, his sons Abraham's wife, and his grandson Lot, his son Haran's child, and moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. He was headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran and settled there. Terah lived for 205 years and died while still in Haran. The Lord has said to Abraham, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will bless, be blessed through you. So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran, and headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abraham traveled through the land as far as Shechem, and there he set up camp beside the oak of Morah, Mori. At the time, the area was inhabited by the Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give you this land to you. I will give this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. After that, Abram traveled south and set up camp in the hill country with Bethel to the west and El, i.e. to the east. There he built another altar and dedicated to the Lord, and he worshipped the Lord. When Abram continued traveling south, then Abram continued traveling south by stages toward the Negev. At that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to go down to Egypt where he lived as a foreigner. As he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram said to his wife Sarai, Look, you are a very beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife, let's kill him, then we can have her. So please tell them you are my sister, then you will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. And sure enough, when Abraham arrived in Egypt, everyone noticed Sarai's beauty. When the palace officials saw her, they sang her praises to Pharaoh their king, and Sarai was taken into his palace. Then Pharaoh gave Abraham many gifts of her, sheep, goat, cattle, male and female donkeys, and male and female servants and camels. But the Lord sent terrible plagues upon Pharaoh and his household because of Sarai, Abraham's wife. So Pharaoh summoned Abraham and accused him sharply. What have you done to me? he demanded. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why didn't you say she is my sister? Why? Did you say that and allow me to take her as my wife? Now, then, here is your wife. Take her and get out of here. 
Pharaoh ordered some of his men to escort them, and he sent Abram out of the country along with his wife and all his possessions. So Abraham left Egypt and traveled north into the Negev along with his wife and Lot and all they owned. Abram was very rich in livestock, silver, and gold. Abraham was very rich in livestock, silver, and gold. <coughs> From the Negev, they continued traveling by stages toward Bethel. And they pitched their tents between Bethel and Ai, where they had camped before. This was the same place where Abraham had built the altar, and there he worshipped the Lord again. <coughs> Amen. Very interesting in many areas how... Uh, How uh, Terah, father uh, Abraham's dad, he heard the same vision. God had to tell him the same vision. You know, you meet so many people that God has spoken to, and they had not accomplished what God has told them. So you know, you, um, you know, probably God will get his his will accomplished. Yes. The man, you know, he talks to people like he talked to me and told me to move to Glendora. You know, I heard a voice when I was speaking in tongues tell me, you know, I want you to move to Glendora and sponsor, oh no, and recruit real estate agents. That's what I heard. I'd done the part of Glen, uh, the uh, successfully, and I, I did become a real estate agent twice or two or three times here in Glendora, but it didn't take off like I would thought. But I, how, how I know it was his, his will, because there was provisions when I got here. When I got here, I, I didn't come better. I didn't have a nickel, but yeah. frozen butter. Wow. And the people I called in the first house that was for rent, they said, come on. And I told them my story. And they said, we know exactly what happened. We've been through you. We've been through the IRS. Wow. We, we, wow. we sold insurance like wow. you did. We're a real estate agent. Uh -huh. We understand. Mm -hmm. And we've been looking for a Christian man that go into the house that we can't rent because there's somebody in there. <laughs> Babe, that is yes, such a wild she story. That's a wild. That's a story that should go in your book. I'm serious. And the lady was just amazed how her prayers were being answered, and I was amazed how my prayers were being answered. Yeah. And, and then the butter that I had taken from the, the apartment from my refrigerator was in a glass case, one of the old-fashioned ones, and it was summertime, and it was right on top of my clothes in back of the pickup truck, and the sun was shining on it. It was out there. And then when I went over there, I took it out. It was still cold, and I put it in the refrigerator. All the appliances were on, electricity, gas. Keys were handed to me. Hallelujah. And the guy goes, the, the husband, I'm giving you keys without a deposit of money. <laughs> kind of like something was handling like he was making <laughs> You know, is it any coincidence that when we got this house, there was a cube of butter in the fridge. I asked you that. Oh, yeah. That was the only thing in the fridge. Does that have something to do with how God speaks to us, even through a butter? Amen. It's one of the reasons why I do believe that um, yeah, our associations, you know, that we can still continue to to find out what what business God wants us to be in. Yeah, amen. You know, and finish what he has. Amen. Um. And it is to give to the poor. That's, that's the that's ultimate right. vision. The, the ultimate Lord's vision is to give wealth. to some churches right. in uh, Africa specifically. Amen. Amen. Anyway, this is, I guess, the point I was making. I left the area after two, three years of this. 
and I went to go drive truck, and I left for about, oh, maybe 10 years. I left. I was here in the late 80s, and I left around 91, 92. I went home, started driving semi. I ended up in Sacramento. I ended up in uh, Reno. But I always was saying, and then when I came back to this area in, in La Puente, I started having dreams of Glendora. Mm. I dreamed that there was a giant standing in the top of Glendora, his feet, I mean, he was about 500 feet above, standing around the houses. And then in three months after that, I dreamed again, but this time he was down, uh, uh, he was kind of like down on his legs, just waiting, you know how you're waiting for a bus? Yeah. And they go down on their knees, the person uh -huh. just, and yeah. that's how he was, he was down on his, uh -huh. uh, just sitting on his, um, mm -hmm. on his legs, like, crouching, mm -hmm. waiting for me. And that's when I came. And when I came, it was a miracle too. I had to move where I was at. I didn't know where I was going to go. I was working. Uh, and uh, I had left a phone number here three months before. Mm -hmm. And they they were in Europe. And then the, the people finally called me and they said, Hey, they said, Look, the phone call was about two, three months old. Mm -hmm. And they said, we got a room for you exactly when I was putting stuff in the car. I guess the point I'm trying to make is the actions as we pack and we're going somewhere. God honor that. Amen. You know, our Amen. actions. You know, um, I'd like to ask you to, one of the goals for this year is to compile your stories. Maybe one a week, one, a, two or three a week. You know, at least begin with a list of the stories that you, your testimonies that you have. Have a have a journal just for this. Write mm. this story down. The time I moved to Glendora, the time God spoke with the butter. You know, because there's too much good in the power of the testimony for others. So I'd like to ask you to take <coughs> time to to write that book. Amen. So be it. And, I have um, it in my heart. And, um, I mean, there's, you know, maybe the book we're supposed to be handing out is your book to people. Wow. You know, just like Fern and the Albertsons, Halbersons that had their book. Mm -hmm. That, you know, those little incidences that took place, you know, the incidents how we got this house. The incident when we were stepping on the checkbook in in San Diego. I mean, the tire incident. I mean, there is so many incidents. I think it's going to be an awesome book. Amen. And also, um, you know, it's interesting that the beginning of the chapter opens up when they started to, they said, I, you know, um, they began saying to each other, let's make bricks and harden them with fire in the regions. Okay, then they said, come, let's build a great city for ourselves. Okay, with the tower that reaches into the sky, this will make us famous and keep us from being scattered. Interesting how God, you know, took that and did the opposite of what they were doing because it was real to me what I got from this is I I I me 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 ourselves no God no God and because over here so he says this will make us famous but when you get over here to um to the Lord speaking to Abraham in chapter 12 it says the Lord had said to Abraham leave your native country and your relatives and your father's family and go to the land I will show you I will make you famous I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. So Amen. My point is when you have the Lord in the midst of your plans or you are obedient to what he's telling you to do, 
he's going to bless you. He's going to make you famous. And and that was a good, I mean, I saw that from there to there, these people wanted to be famous on their own without the Lord. So the Lord took care of it. Yeah, you speak different languages, you'd be scattered. End of that. I mean, the Lord will not have, you know, self-effort be, you know, part of the mix. Amen. Well, praise God after yeah. the great flood, Chen, I'm, everything is so well documented that they're starting to live less and less years mm. as time goes by. And everybody had something around the age of 30, you know. Yeah. So Amazing a, how many years. Beautiful number that God loves. And I remember God the Lord told me uh, His will is for us to be yeah. uh, fortunate. You know, Amen. He makes us fortunate. Amen. Now maybe we are already fortunate. That actually, all we have to do is believe it. And Abraham was very rich in, in livestock. Silver and gold. Silver and gold. Very rich. Mm. I mean, you wouldn't think he's traveling around. You wouldn't think he'd be reading us and say anything how he picked up his resources. Right. But, you know, uh, they must have good real estate and good business savvy. And all these things were passed down from their grandparents mm -hmm. over and over again, you know. Mm -hmm. So, heirlooms. Yeah, you know, uh, one thing, that I two times over here in... Um, here we go. Uh, in number 12, 7, it says, Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, I will give you this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there, and he dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. After that, Abram traveled south and set up camp in the hill country with Bethel to the west and I to the east. There he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord. He worshipped the Lord. Then Abram continued traveling south. So to me, it's like um, he's got it right. You know, he's dedicated this altar to the Lord, and he's in worship over the Lord. Wherever he, you know, he's wherever he's going, he's building the altar for the Lord and dedicating it to the Lord. So uh, you think that has something to do with how blessed he is? Because he obeys and he worships God. Mm, amen. Abraham built the yeah, altar, and, and there he worshipped the Lord yeah, again. Right, and this has nothing to do with the Ten Commandments. Nothing to do with you know. He's just by a faith person right here. He's believing by faith. Well, okay, God told me to do this. He said he's going to do this, so he's off to do. He's off on his own to do it. Is that simple? For it's him? more like he stopped to thank God for all the blessings yes. he received. Amen. In his in his hand and everything. Amen. You know? Yes, Lord. And he knew who he was, mm -hmm. and out of fear too. You mm -hmm. know, you have this. God speaking to you in whatever manner and says, wow, you're obstruct, you know. That. And the wisdom given to him, too, you know. Mm -hmm. All right, Matthew chapter 5, Five verse one, one, 26. It says, so one day as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down, and his disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. 
God blesses those who, whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when you mock when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you. Wow, I just lie. And say all sorts of evil things against you because you're my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad, for great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, the city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. Don't misunderstand why I've come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you're even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. So if you're persecuting a sacrifice, or so if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. When you're on the way to court with your adversary, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge, who will hand you over to an officer, and you will be thrown into prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be free again until you've paid the last penny. Wow. Praise God. Anything? Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit. Father God, we ask you, Lord God, to bring to our minds, Lord God, what you want us to hear, what do you want us to teach us, what we need to learn. What do we have as manna for today, Lord God, to, to clean our thoughts and our hearts so we can be of light shining in the sky to others, Lord God. Make us that light, Lord God, and teach us, Lord God, to 
<clears throat> to judge ourselves, Lord, to come to the heavenly court and say, I did it, I messed up, Lord, <clears throat> I need to make amends, Lord, need to set things right, Lord, give me the strength and the power and the wisdom to do this, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Oh, see, but over here, 25, when you are on the way to court with the adversary, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand over to the judge who will hand over you over to the officer and you will be thrown into prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be free again. <clears throat> I had that vision that Jesus was looking inside AA through the 12 steps and 12 traditions of principles in our thing. And he was looking at people that weren't, were talking to others and were not serious about the program. And he was telling an officer that was standing to him he was pointing out people in the, in the seating arrangement. You know, he was pointing at them while the officer had a pen and pencil in the pad and was taking names. And Jesus was going like this. He was sitting on a stool. The officer was standing, and Jesus had his white and red thing. And he was going like this, and the officer was writing exactly what it says he was writing down. And that's the time I was going to take uh, you and uh, your sister to uh -huh. the uh, Los Amigos. You know, and wow. I had the dream the night before. So when I got up and spoke, I had, I told everybody, said, you know, here, Jesus is watching us, see what our conduct is. Okay, that's just very basic. comes to the point that you humble yourself, you said I was wrong, and you start cleansing the cleansing effect of the AA program, which the principles is, which is and extremely... Yeah. In the beginning, I noticed that there's two ways that you get... It says... In number one, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for Him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And then if you go down to the last one, and it says God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. Um, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Um, so, I was going to check in the previous... Let's see. Well, I guess that's it. It starts there. So, I don't... In number three, I don't... I think those are, those are poor in spirit and realize their need for him. Those people that are broken. Something happened. You know, they went through something. They got broken. Their dependence then, because of their brokenness, they become dependent on God. Mm -hmm. You know? And... And they begin, and so the kingdom of heaven, well, you know, is theirs. Now, that doesn't mean when they get to heaven, that's what they're going to get, that they're going to get eternal life. I believe it means here on earth, they're going to experience the kingdom on the earth. Um, and then as we move down, it says, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. Um, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Okay, when you stand up for something, when you, you know, you see that something's not right, and you, 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 you know, or in situations you begin to, you know, bring Jesus into the picture, you know, of how good he's been to us, or whatever, and people look at you like, oh yeah, sure, you know, or begin to talk behind your back about what you believe in, you know, and, and that's, this is a real, it says, be happy about it, be, be very glad for great reward awaits you, it says in heaven, um, 
God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you're my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. So it, it's, you know, we remember that there's going to be uh, days like heaven on earth. So I believe that that this you know, kingdom that we operate under is the supernatural kingdom of God here on this earth that belongs to us as we as we bring Jesus forth and put him on the forefront and stand on our stand. You know, no, Jesus is the one who died for the sins. Jesus is the one who took care of that. You know, Jesus is the one who healed. You know, we keep preaching about Jesus in situations, whether it's with family, friends, AA, whatever. So I, I like that a lot. Um the other thing that stood out, oh, in number 17 here, it says, Don't misunderstand why I've come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writing of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. So, you know, um, I know we always hear that by Pastor Prince. He says, Jesus didn't come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill the law. But as we, we remember, he says that, you know, he's the one who created it. So he didn't come to do away with it. It's just the new covenant that, that comes in of grace that is above the law. You know, above, you know, there's the mercy overcomes judgment of what the law brought, right? Um, the other thing that stood out really, I really, like this really popped out, okay? It says, um, <clears throat> but... Okay, but anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. But I warn you, it says, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. That, that to me is like, you know how the Pharisees always try to put the law into over Jesus all the time. And so therefore, you know, you don't get healed on that Saturday when the Lord shows up, you know, or um, you just, you just, uh, it's not a self-effort situation, you know, just because you know this scripture, that scripture, these many books, and you memorized it. You know, if you don't know your righteousness comes from Jesus, and you don't recognize Jesus as your Savior, and you don't recognize what he brought through the cross and the blessings, the peace and the joy and the love, then what happens is, you you won't experience that kingdom here on this earth. You know, the, the kingdom on the earth is all, you know, joy, love, and peace from the cross. So, um, that's a good, good point. <clears throat> you know, legalistic, religious... Okay, um, you know, I'm Fernando, I am a Christian. <clears throat> you know, I, I ask God for <clears throat> pure revelation from heaven... As, you know, what is he trying to say? And he mm -hmm. keeps summing it up. He mm -hmm. keeps summing it up, what he's trying to tell us. Uh -huh. and, uh, and, and you know, this, this one always, uh, this one about judging others or just calling someone an idiot, you're in danger yeah. before court. And, uh -huh. and you curse someone, you're in the danger of fire hell. Uh -huh. uh, and then if, you're, if, you, if someone has some odds against you, you go and even it. So... In a nutshell, 
He is just showing us how to be uh, saintly, and how, and He's done the hard work for us. All these beatitude things over here is mm -hmm. for a, is 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 the opposite. You know, when you do against these things, it's the opposite of a person being uh, godlike, saintly. Mm. A saint, a person with a, with a has all these attributes. You know. They have, they're poor, they're, they're always thirsting for righteousness, they're mm -hmm. always mourning yeah. for bad things. That, you know, they're yes. so like-minded like their Heavenly yeah. Father. Humble. So He came yeah. to save those people hard and to give mm -hmm. them the, and then at the end yeah. to give them the kingdom of heaven and to allow yeah. them, and then He gives them some instructions, you know. Now these things are happening, but He goes, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad mm -hmm. when people step on your toes. And then He tells them, He says, uh, compares it to salt and then he compares it to a lamp yes you see yes <clears throat> if you're downtrodden why why you don't lose your salt don't lose your light mm, because beautiful. of these situations beautiful you know the power he says be glad because be happy about it be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven so what is that great reward if it awaits me in heaven it's actually yeah, I mean, it doesn't say that right there, but it's actually saying it's yours now. Yeah. The kingdom of God is yours. Yes. So, in other words, you have a reward now. There's right. been a violation. Right. There was a violation when Jesus was taken to the cross. Right. There was a violation and a vacuum in creation that, that required a payment for taking a deity's life, a, a sinless life. He consumed all, and the vacuum was he took all the evil out of the world. Okay, and now he said it at the right hand of the Father, heavenly places, loving each one of us in heaven. They'll go, they are there. So in turn, we, not there yet, uh -huh. but be very happy about it. Uh -huh. Very glad. Uh -huh. How many of us are very happy when people say it all sorts? Not many of us. Many no. start pout. Right. You know, they don't believe us, or, you know, and we get all angry. You know, right. we get... Don't, and then he says, he goes, hey, come on, man, you're the salt of the world. But what good, you know, I have done all this, you know, those misunderstand why I've come. Right. I haven't come to abolish the law. Right. I know I came to accomplish its purpose. Amen. To be a light of the world. Amen. I tell you the truth. And heaven and earth disappear, not even one of these details will disappear. Until its purposes. So we rejoice and we thank the Lord God for all the mistrust, mishappenings. And we don't know it all, but we do know enough to be happy and rejoice in, in our hearts. And even if we haven't forgiven, we haven't made amends for somebody, if we have something, we can be happy and pray for them. Yeah. We can yeah. bless the people that we've been mean to. Yeah. We can bless the people that they've been mad at us. We can take the principles mm -hmm. and apply them. And we know in our hearts we're okay. Amen. So a lot of times we don't think we're okay and we're still cleaning and cleaning the rug and cleaning the rug. And we're wasting so much time and mourning over our past because we haven't believed it by faith that we've been forgiven. That we're, we're the light now. Amen. I mean, Jeff, the AA Jeff, the electrician uh -huh. up north, uh -huh. he, said, he said, I've been watching you, listening to you. He goes, that's why I want you to be my sponsor. He said something like that. Wow. But, but he's on the light of the world. He knows we all get hit with these situations right. in life. You know? uh -huh. So how do we react? We rejoice and we're yeah. exceedingly mm -hmm. glad that we are the light of the world. Yeah. So, you know, there, there again, 
And it says where it gives light to everyone in the house. Okay? That's why I've always said your calling on the AA in AA is you go to the room and your light shines. It stands out. Because your words that are coming out from the you know, you're speaking it in their terms, but it's really now God's that, anointing you know, words. And there's hundreds of us, you know. Yeah, there's and lots of you. God there. has uh, mm -hmm. cooked. Right. Well, you know, my, my job is to be exceedingly glad and rejoice and be happy mm -hmm. about it. Be very glad and receive my rewards, not only in this earth, but it, when I get to heaven. Amen, the crown. And the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. So, you know, I, I praise God. We rejoice and we're thankful and we worship the Lord God that we triumph in Christ Jesus Amen. and all these things. We're more than conquerors through Christ that loved us. Amen. Okay, Amen. Psalms. Psalm 5, verse 1 to Pray 12. five. Pray, fi pray Psalm 5 to commit your hearts to no one but God. Take pleasure and refuge in worshiping God and in following Him. Amen. Oh, Lord, this is the Psalm 5, that song from Green, Keith Green. O oh Lord, hear me as I pray. Pay attention to my groaning. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God. For I pray to no one but you. Listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning I bring my request to you and wait expectantly. O oh God, you take no pleasure in wickedness. You cannot tolerate the sins of the wicked. Therefore the proud may not stand in your presence. For you hate all who do evil. You will destroy those who tell lies. The Lord detests murderers and deceivers. Because of your unfailing love, I can enter your house. I will worship at your temple with deep, deepest awe. Lead me in the right path, O Lord, or my enemies will conquer me. Make your way plain for me to follow. My enemies cannot speak a truthful word. Their deepest desire is to destroy others. Their talk is foul like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with flattery. O oh God, declare them guilty. Let them be caught in their own traps. Drive them away because of their many sins, for they have rebelled against you. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them sing joyful praises forever. Spread your protection over them that all who love your name may be filled with joy. For you bless the godly, O Lord. You surround them with your shield of love. Hallelujah. Proverbs 1, 24-28 says, Wisdom, I wisdom, no, wisdom called you so often, but you wouldn't come. I reached out to you, but you paid no attention. You ignored my advice and rejected the correction I offered. So I will laugh when you're in trouble. I will mock you. I will mock you when disaster overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster engulfs you like a cyclone, and anguish and distress overwhelm you. When they cry for help, I will not answer. Though they anxiously search for me, they will not find me. Amen. You want, to, uh, you want us to read it? Uh, this what we just read, and not easy to read? No, because it's time for you to... Keep going. Well, I still got five minutes, but uh, it's really interesting. Easy to read okay. version. Okay, yes. uh, where were we? Saw uh, was Matthew chapter five, right? Mm -hmm. Just real fast, like uh, see if you hear anything. One to twenty-six. It says, when Jesus saw the crowds of people, 
There he went up on a hill and sat down. His followers came and sat next to him. Then Jesus began teaching the people. He said, okay, what verses do you want me to read? I'm going to go ahead and read, uh, run down to 11. Ele- read, read what you want. Just read what it, don't tell me. Just go. Okay. 11 says, God, People will insult you and hurt you. 5.11 They will lie and say all kinds of evil things about you because you follow me. But when they do that, know that great blessings belong to you. See? Great blessings belong to you. Be happy about it. Be very glad because you have a great reward waiting for you in heaven. People did these same bad things to the prophets who lived before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its taste, it cannot be made salty again. Salt is useless if it loses its salty taste. Okay, if you get discouraged. Yeah, that's what I, I was just right now when you were saying that. It's like when you go through the, the problem, yeah, you lose, you, we tend to lose our saltiness. And it, and, it, <laughs> and it comes from not knowing how to deal with things from right. childhood. You know, we mourn and all that stuff comes back up and we tend to drink or destroy ourselves. Yeah. It will be it thrown out where people just walk on it. You are the light that shines for the world to see. You are like a city built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Pe- people don't hide in lamps. So the, the problem has to be the flint. We always think that Jesus is the flint of light. But problems have to be maybe the starter fluid or the match. Okay, to get us to praising God oh, and so yeah, forth. Because yeah, yeah. okay? mm-hmm. you know, there they activate us. We uh, Righteous indignation. And we start praising and thanking the Lord God for great things. For you know, People don't hide a lamp under a bowl. They put it on the lampstand. Then the light shines for everyone in the house. In the same way, you should be a light for other people. Live so that they will see the good things you do. And praise you. Live so that people will see the good good things you do. Unfortunately, we have to be among people and we're going to get hurt. We're going to get, money's going to cost us money. We invite people over a house. It's always dangerous because there's, you know, there's got devils in them. And they don't have the same heart that you do and you don't know who, who it is. Don't think that I have come to destroy the law of Moses or the teachers of the prophets. I have come not to destroy their teachings. And what, what is their teaching? What he had just said. But to give full meaning to these things, I assure you that nothing will say so that the law and the thing were trying to do the Beatitudes. That was you're trying to make a heart soft and shine before God. You know, that was the, the intention of the law. I assure you that nothing will disappear from the law until heaven and earth are gone. The law will not loosen even the smallest letter or the smallest part of the letter until it has all been done. A person should obey every command in the law, even one that does not seem important. Whoever refuses to obey any command and teaches others not to obey it will be the least important in God's kingdom. But whoever obeys the law and teaches others to obey it, it will be great in God's kingdom. See, people have taken out of context there. The the fruit of the law is the Beatitudes. Mm. Okay? You see, and then they, 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 they uh, humbleness. Yeah, that was the that was the fruit of the law. But whoever obeys the law and teaches others to obey, it will be great in kingdom God's kingdom. Peacefulness, I, humbleness. I tell you that you must do better than the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. Okay, this is better. If you are not more pleasing to God than they are, you will never enter the kingdom of God. And Jesus basically tell him he fulfilled all the 
things he's given us as a gift for us. You have heard, now he goes again, you have heard that it was, if you, in your own will, you don't use these, these humbleness or rejoicing as a tool, then you, you, again, you have heard that it was said to you, to people long ago, you must not murder anyone, you must not commit murder, you will be judged. But I tell you, don't be angry with anyone. If you are angry with others, you will be judged. And if you insult someone, you will be judged by the high court. And if you call someone a fool, you'll be in danger of fire of hell. That is so tender, so fragile. So what if you're offering your gift at the altar and remember the Holy Spirit brings into your members? Remember, the Holy Spirit or a habit of worry. You've got to defer from the two. A lot of people have it of worrying and says, well, I got this. And God already forgave you and dealt with it. You have to figure out what, who's talking. <laughs> we, I have to figure out who's, is it me or is it the Holy Spirit that's bringing it up? Leave your, and go peace. Uh, leave your gift and then go make peace with that person. Then come and offer your gift. If anyone wants to take it to court, make friends with them quickly. Now, this is for Jeff. Try to do that before you get to the court. If you don't, they might hand over you to the judge. And the judge will hand over you to a guard. You will throw you into jail. I assure you that you will not leave there until you have paid everything you owe. We have to pray for the kid that's against my friend Jeff. That he will. And he's, he's avoiding the police. When right? is it? When is it? I don't know. They're looking for him to for a final thing. And they can't get a hold of him. So it's good. He's, he's already doing that. You have heard that it was said you must not commit adultery. But I tell you that if a man looks to a woman and wants to sin sexually with her... He has already committed that sin when okay, it we're done. is... You're done. You're done. It's the last, paid the last penny is done. Huh? You're done. Oh. Paid the last penny. Well, one point I wanted to, that came up in my right now, as we were talking about fulfilling the law and, and Jesus, and there's a scripture I thought that talks about the uh, nailing of the handwriting to the cross somewhere. i got to find it. So... Um, Jesus came to fulfill those laws. He created them, but he came to fulfill them because of the. Now we got a new covenant. Um, so I guess I got, I'm trying to explain this, but I don't know if I'm explaining it properly. That now the law that was in place has been replaced by Jesus Himself, and He is He is. You no, know, there's forgiveness, not judgment. Mercy. Amen. Um, okay, thank you, Heavenly Father. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for January the 6th, today's reading. Lord, we ask your presence in this house. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Maranatha, we wait your return. Father God, we thank you for your word. Teach us and lead us and instruct us, Lord God. Open our ears and our minds and our hearts, Lord God. We give ourselves in the next half hour, Lord, to read and listen to your scriptures and listen to what the Holy Spirit says, Lord. Thank you, Father, for making us, Lord God. Instruct us, Lord. Discipline us and show us in the way that we should go in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Genesis chapter 13, verse 5 to 15, 21, please. Lot, who was traveling with Abram,
had also become very wealthy with flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle, and many tents. But the land could not support both Abram and Lot with all their flocks and herds living so close together. So disputes broke out between the herdsmen of Abram and Lot. At that time, Canaanites and Perizzites were also having were also living in the land. Finally, Abram said to Lot, Let's not allow this conflict to come between us or our herdsmen. After all, we are close relatives. The whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice of any section of land you want, and we will separate. If you want the land to the left, then I'll take the land on the right. If you prefer the land on the right, then I'll go to the left. Lot took a long look uh, took a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zoar. The whole area was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord or the beautiful land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and servants and parted company with his uncle Abram. So Abram settled in the land of Canaan, and Lot moved his tents to a place near Sodom and settled among the cities of the plain. But the people of this area were extremely wicked and constantly sinned against the Lord. After Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abram, Look as far as you can see in every direction, north, south, east, and west. I'm, given, I'm giving all this land as far as you can see to you and your descendants. I'm a descendant. As a permanent possession. And I will give you so many descendants that like the dust of the earth, they cannot be counted. Go and walk through the land in every direction, for I'm giving it to you. So Abram moved his camp to Hebron and settled near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. There he built another altar to the Lord. About this time war broke out in the region, King Ampra, Amparel of Babylonia, King Arioch of Elisar, King Kedorlamer of Elam, and King Tidel of Goim fought against the King Bera of Sodom, King Bersha of Gomorrah, King Shinab of Adma, King Shemaber of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, also called Zor. This second group of kings joined forces in Sidon Valley, that is, the Valley of the Dead. Okay. The Valley of the Dead Sea. For twelve years they had been subject to King Kedor Lamar, but in the thirteenth year they rebelled against him. One year later, Kedor Lamar and his allies arrived and defeated the Rephites at Ashtaroth, Karnaim, the Zuzites at Ham, the Emites at Shiv Kiriathim, and the Horites at Mount Seir, as far as the El Paran at the 
edge of the wilderness. Then they turned back, came to En Mishpat, now called Kadesh, and conquered all the territory of the Amalekites, and also the Amorites living in Hazaron Tamar. Then the rebel kings of Sodom, Gomorrah, Adam, Adma, Zebulim, and Bela, also called Zor, prepared for battle for the Valley of the Dead Sea. They fought against King Kedorlamor of Babylonia and King Arioch of Elasar, four kings against five. As it happened, the Valley of the Dead Sea was filled with tar pits. And as the army of the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some fell into the tar pits, while the rest escaped into the mountains. The victorious invaders then plundered Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, and headed for home, taking with them all the spoils of war and food supplies. They also captured Lot, Abram's nephew, who lived in Sodom, and carried off everything he owned. But one of Lot's men escaped and reported everything to Abram, the Hebrew, who was living near the oak grove belonging to Mamre, the Amorite. Mamre and his relatives Eshcol and Aner were Abram's allies. When Abram heard that his nephew Lot had been captured, the 318 trained men he mobilized. Who, uh, oh, captured, he mobilized the 318 trained men who had been born into his household. Then he pursued Kedorlamer's army until he caught up with them at Dan. Then he divi- there he divided his men and attacked during the night. Kedorlamor's army fled, but Abram chased them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus. Abram recovered all the goods that he had been taken, and he brought back his nephew Lot with his possessions and all the women and other captives. After Abram returned from his victory over Kedorlamor and all his allies, the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Sheb, that is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, and a priest of God Most High, brought Abram some bread and wine. Melchizedek blessed Abraham with this blessing. Abraham. Abraham with this blessing. Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has defeated your enemies for you. Amen. Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. The king of Sodom said to Abraham, Give back my people who were captured, but you may keep for yourself all the goods you have recovered. Abram replied to the king of Sodom, I solemnly swear to the Lord God most high, creator of heaven and earth, that I will not take so much as a single thread or sandal thong from what belongs to you. Otherwise, you might say, I am the one who made Abram rich. I will accept only what my young warriors have already eaten, and I request that you give a fair share of the goods to my allies, Aner, Eshkol, and Mamre. 
Some time later the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and reward, and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so, no, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars. If you can count, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Then the Lord told him, I'm the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land as your possession. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that I will actually possess it? The Lord told him, Bring me a three-year-old heifer and a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. So Abram presented all these to him and killed them. Then he cut each animal down in the middle and laid the half side by side. He did not, however, cut the birds in half. Some vultures swooped down to eat the carcasses, but Abram chased them away. As the sun was going down, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a terrifying darkness came down over him. Then the Lord said to Abram, You can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land, where they will be oppressed as slaves for over 400, year, 400 years. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them, and in the end they will come away with great wealth. As for you, you will die in peace and be buried at a ripe old age. After four generations, your descendants will return here to this land, for the sins of the Amorites do not yet warrant their destruction. After the sun went down and darkness fell, Abram saw a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch pass between the halves of the carcasses. So the Lord made a covenant with Abraham that day and said, I have given this land to your descendants all the way from the border of Egypt to the great Euphrates River. The land now occupied by the Kenites, Kenizzites, Cadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Rephaites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. Amen. Thank you, Hannah. Matthew 5, 27, 48. You have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery, but I, Jesus, say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for, you to, for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your strongest hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for you to, your whole body to be thrown into hell. You have heard the law that says a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written notice of divorce. But I say that a man who divorced his wife, unless she has been unfaithful, causes her to commit adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman 
also commits adultery. You have also heard that our ancestors were told, You must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you made to the Lord. But I say, Do not make any vows. Do not say, By heaven, because heaven is God's throne. And do not say, By the earth, because the earth is his footstool. And do not say, By Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Do not even say, By my head, for you cannot turn one hair white or black. Just say a simple yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. You have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, Give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. You have heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And that way you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind to only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Praying the Psalms. Pray through the Psalms, Psalm 6, for whatever hardships you are facing today. Rest your anxious heart in God's love and rescue. Psalm 6, 1-10. O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your rage. Have compassion on me, Lord, for I am weak. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. I am sick at heart. How long, O Lord, until you restore me? Return, O Lord, and rescue me. Save me because of your unfailing love. For the dead do not remember you. Who can praise you from the grave? I am worn out from sobbing all night. I flood my bed with weeping, drenching it with my tears. My vision is blurred, my grief, my eyes are worn out because of all my enemies. Go away, all you do who, who do evil. For the Lord has heard my weeping, the Lord has heard my plea. The Lord will answer my prayer. May all my enemies be disgraced and terrified. May they suddenly turn back in shame. Proverbs 1, 29-33 For they hated knowledge and chose not to fear the Lord. They rejected my wisdom advice and paid no attention when I corrected them. Therefore, they must eat the bitter fruit of living their own way, choking on their own schemes. For simpletons turn away from me to death. Fools are destroyed by their own complacency. But all who listen to me will live in peace, untroubled by fear or harm. <laughs> I'm going to read the uh, study, today's study. Jesus connected adultery with lust and divorce because committing adultery was a sin 
that the Jewish people would pay attention to. Lust and divorce, on the other hand, had both become acceptable sins for the people. Lust and divorce weren't technically adultery in their minds, but Jesus wanted them to avoid these sins as tenaciously as they avoided outright adultery. God intends marriage to be a lifetime commitment, Genesis 2:24. And the Mosaic law and sex with anyone other than a spouse was wrong, Exodus 20:14. The people of Jesus' day had reduced marriage to a legal contract, and adultery to them was first and foremost an action. They did not see marriage or sex as spiritual matters. But Jesus was making them spiritual again. If you find you are imagining divorce or adultery for you, look into your heart. What has your heart been dwelling on? Are your thoughts and actions nurturing your marriage or are they tearing it apart? Consider confessing your heart's desires to a trusted friend who can encourage you in faithfulness. Amen. Now, the, uh, it's interesting, the commentary about Abraham, it says right here, it says, The Lord had already developed a relationship with Abraham before he established the formal covenant with him. God took all of the initiative and he approached Abraham and spoke to him in a vision. God presented the impossible promise that the old man would have a son through whom his descendants would eventually become as numerous as the stars of heaven. Abraham believed God and in his faith proved to be an act of righteousness. Faith is righteousness and faith produces righteousness in covenant relationships with God. Galatians 15.6, Habakkuk 2.4, Galatians 3.6, excuse me, Genesis 15.6. The covenant of Genesis 15.1-33 includes a royal grant in which God, the king, gave land to Abraham, a royal grant. His subject as a possession and an inheritance in the ancient Near East, kings sometimes granted land or other gifts to loyal subjects. At the end of the day, Abraham knew that his own and his descendants' future was firmly in the hands of the covenant God. Later the grant will be transferred to his descendants. God later ratified his covenant with Abraham, giving him circumcision and its sign and condition. Genesis 17, 1-22 The Almighty God once again took the initiative in granting Abraham an extraordinary privilege. The covenant was not a relationship between equals, yet... Both partners in the covenant assumed responsibilities. God committed himself voluntarily to Abraham and his descendants. While acquiring faithfulness from Abraham, the blessing of Abraham received as God's covenant partner was embodied in the new name that God gave him. God's family covenant with Abraham also applied to his descendants. It pointed out it pointed to blessing in the relatively near future when his descendants would possess the land. Much later, Abraham's faith became a blessing to all through his descendants. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, through whom all of the families of the earth can share in God's blessings on Abraham. Genesis 12, 3. Amen. So we take the initiative and say thank you God for the Abraham covenant, our, the, our inheritance, the teachings of our covenant. I like it right here. It says that the uh, the Israelites came out of Egypt with riches. 
you know, yeah. they came out with riches. And it's and interesting to see that uh, the Jewish or the uh, Hebrew people had wealth as a tool. You know, it was just like a rolling tool that produced uh, livelihood for, uh, for it, you know, the way they handled it. Because that lively tool of gold and silver and livestock was uh, replenishing itself. And, you know, it's kind of like the wealth is going to be transferred to the, to the yeah. servant or yeah. to Isaac. You know, it's coming. Right. <laughs> and it, it is so awesome to see it that it was, uh, it was a blessing. And that blessing is, is uh, we receive it too if we ask for it. You know, the tools. Yeah. Tool of wisdom, how to handle money. The tool of time. The tool of, of words and speech. And the tool of faith and actions, you know, the demonstrating our faith in the covenant of God. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Yeah, I, I guess the point... Um, I like the way he told Abraham, do not fear. Um, hold on, I'm trying to find it. I like, to, I like the flow as I go. He said, okay, this is an awesome promise. It says... Uh, he, he was spoke to him in a vision, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. Um, yeah, I'm recording it now. I, I like that because sometimes God is taking you to a place that you don't know where you're going and there's a little fear that starts to want to set in. But there's a reward by the obedience uh, and the covering and the protection of, of God. It's just a wonderful, you know, um, wonderful promise. Um, and I, but again, I, I like the way he, he gave uh, Abraham later in the chapter, I think it is. Um, he gave Abraham insight as to what was going to happen you know even though abraham saw that he didn't have any descendants he he reassured him that that's how it was going to be and over here it says in number 12 i think it's 1512 that abraham fell into a deep sleep and terrifying darkness came over him and the lord gave him insight so he must have had a dream and the lord said to abraham abraham you can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. But God gave him insight as to what he was going to do, punish the nation that enslaves them. But in the end, they're going to come away with great wealth. Um, so it's, you know, those are in the dreams. It's just a great way to recall your dreams that God speaks to, to us in the dreams. You might have a situation. Do not be afraid. And God will give you insight as to what he's going to do. So we must remember that God speaks to us in the deep sleep of the night. It's beautiful. I, I just actually, that was what the Holy Spirit gave me, babe. Amen. Okay, we thank you, Father. This is a great session. We thank you that we've read your word today, Lord, giving you the best part of our day. And we ask you to bless our day, Lord. Bless the word. Seal the word in our heart, Lord. Father, we just thank you for the promises that are, are in you. Yes and amen. Father, we thank you that, that you're a great God. You're a mighty God. We thank you for the JCPenney $525 for the mattresses, Lord. Hallelujah. Woo-hoo. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord God, for creating us. 
Lord, in your image, in the image of your Son, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us, you created us for this, a time such as this, Lord, to carry your message to the nations, to the ones surrounded by us, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your word. You strengthen us through your word, and you help us, Lord God, to do your work, Lord. Thank you for your help. Please help us, Lord, to learn. Please help us to open our eyes and our ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying through your holy word. We lift up your word, Lord, in expectancy, Lord God, that you will deliver us and keep us safe in your word and strengthen us. Lord, Jesus is our wisdom. Jesus is our strength, and Jesus is our love, Lord. We thank you for this commission in Jesus' name. Amen. January the 7th, correct? Yes. Would you like to start reading, or do you want me to do it? I'll go ahead and read. Okay, it's Genesis chapter 16, verse 1 through 18, verse 15. Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, The Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarah's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened ten years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. <clears throat> but when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress Sarai with contempt. Then Sarai said to Abram, this is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. Abram replied, Look, she's your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. Then Sarai treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. The angel said to her, Hagar, Sarai's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she replied. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to her mistress and submit to her authority. Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And the angels also said, You are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. This son of yours will be a wild man, as untamed as a wild donkey. He will raise his fist against everyone, and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in an open hostility against all his relatives. Thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, You are the God who sees me. She also said, Have I truly seen the one who sees me? So that well, so that well was named 
Beer Lai Beer Lahai Roy, which means well of the living one who sees me. It can still be found that it can still be found between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar gave Abram a son, and Abram named him Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. At, at this, Abram fell down on uh, face down on the ground. Then God said to him, This is my covenant with you. I will make you a father of multitude of nations. That What's more, I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham. For you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give the entire land of Canaan where you live now as a foreigner to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant. You and all your descendants have this continual responsibility. This is the covenant that you and your descendants must keep. Each male among you must be circumcised. You must cut off the, off the flesh of your foreskin as a sign of the covenant between me and you. From generation to generation, every male child must be circumcised on the eighth day after his birth. This applies not only to members of your family, but also to the servants born in your household and also and the foreign-born servants whom you have purchased. All must be circumcised. Your bodies will bear the mark of my everlasting covenant. Any male who fails to be circumcised will be cut off from the covenant family for breaking the covenant. Then God said to Abraham, regarding Sarai, Sarai, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai. From now on, her name will be Sarah. And I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly, and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. Then Abraham, Abraham should bow to the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief. How could I become a father at the age of a hundred? He thought, and how can Sarah have a baby when she's 90 years old? So Abram said to God, may Ishmael live under your special blessing. But God replied, no, Sarah, your wife will give birth to a son for you. You will name him Isaac and I will confirm my covenant with him. and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. As for Ishmael, I will bless him also just as you have asked. I will make him extremely fruitful and multiply his descendants. He will become a father of 12 princes and I will make him 
a great nation, but my covenant will be confirmed with Isaac, who will be born to you and Sarah about this time next year. When God had finished speaking, he left Abraham. On the very day that Abraham took his son Ishmael and every male in the household, including those born there and those he had bought, then he circumcised them, cutting off their foreskins, just as God had told him. Abraham was ninety-nine years old when he was circumcised, and Ishmael his son was thirteen. Both Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised on the same day, along with all the other men and boys of the household, whether they were born there or bought as servants, all were circumcised with him. The Lord appeared again to Abraham near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. One day Abraham was sitting at the entrance to his tent during the hottest part of the day. He looked up and noticed three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he ran to meet them and welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. My Lord, he said, if it pleases you, stop here for a while. Rest in the shade of this tree while water is brought to wash your feet. And since you honored your servant with this visit, let me prepare some food to refresh you before you continue on your journey. All right, they said, do, have you, do as you have said. So Abraham ran back to the tent and said to Sarah, Hurry, get three large measures of your best flour, knead it into dough, and bake some bread. Then Abraham ran out to the herd and chose a tender calf and gave it to his servant, who quickly prepared it. When the food was ready, Abraham took some yogurt and milk and roasted and the roasted meat, and he served it to the men. As they ate, Abraham waited on them in the shade of the trees. Where is Sarah, your wife? the visitors asked. She's inside the tent, Abraham replied. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife Sarah will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself and said, How could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure? Especially when my master, my husband, is also so old. Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, Can an old man like me have a baby? A woman. Woman. Like me have a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Hallelujah. Praise God. Sarah was afraid, so she denied it, saying, I didn't laugh. But the Lord said, no, you did laugh. <laughs> I just like that part. The Lord is, no. <laughs> Let's see, in Genesis 16, 1 and 3, in today's study says, Sarai was following a common practice at that time when she gave Hagar to Abraham as a substitute wife. Abraham was also acting in line with the custom of the day. When we take over God's role, we don't give the chance to grow. Waiting on God can take a long time. In Abraham and Sarah's case, time was 
the greatest test of their faith and willingness to let God work in their lives on His schedule. Sometimes we too must simply wait when we ask God for something and have to wait. We can be tempted to take matters into our own hands and interfere with God's purpose. Like Abraham and Sarai, Abraham and Sarai, we might fall along the way too, but God is patient with us like He was with Abraham and Sarai. What situations have you been trying to take control of? How can you wait for God's timing? Don't worry about a thing. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Philippians 4, 6. <clears throat> okay, um, I like the part where it says, Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Amen. Okay. Um, I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. Amen. What did you get? Well, I, you know, we hear the story all the time how um, they were too old to have this child and how God told them. I mean, that's always the, you know, we believe we know that. But today, um, it's interesting how, you know, trying to do it their way causes conflict you know they, it said here that the you know once Hagar got pregnant she started treating Sarah with contempt and as I was reading this part I remember yesterday you were reading something about Hagar and how she was you know she lifted up her son to the Lord and she was out in the wilderness and the water well showed up well here after Sarah began to like harass her I guess you want to say um, she went out to the wilderness and she was by a spring of water, and that's when the angel of the Lord appeared to her. So I, I kind of found it interesting that I thought that only happened once when she actually, when her and Ishmael were thrown out of the house. But it ha it happened also here that she left and was by the water, and then the angel of the Lord appeared here. So it, it's going to be interesting when we get to that spot mm -hmm. to read that. Um, so and, and it's great how the angel of the Lord said, Return back to your mistress and submit to her authority. And then he promised to give her more descendants than she could count. Okay, but the kid was going to be unruly, hostile. It's interesting that all of that information um, is giving insight to her son, is given to her beforehand. Um, it's interesting. <laughs> There's so many unruly uh, rebel kids too today in the yeah, world. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I thought that was like really that. I mean, that really I hadn't read that before. Um, let's see what else. Um, yeah, and then they all got circumcised. The covenant is an everlasting covenant from generation to generation. It's an everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you, and I will give them. I will give the entire land of Canaan where you now live as a foreigner to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever and I will be their God. But there's a term of that covenant. That covenant says you have to be circumcised. Right? Everyone in your household. So, um... And, uh... Well, the thing that struck me so, so 
you know, like you say, you tie a string around your finger to remember God. But if you tie a string around your peepee, you get a cut. You always, every time you go to the bathroom, you always remember your covenant with God. Oh. <laughs> you know, that you're yeah. supposed to rest on Saturday and and enjoy and do the and worship. You know, that you're under holy ground, you know. It appears uh, two things, spiritual and, and also the flesh remembers. Yeah. And... And then towards the end of the chapter, where is the three, it said the three, um, he was sitting at the entrance of his tent on the hottest day, and he noticed three men standing nearby. Okay, there's three men, and then over here he said, um, he, when he, call, he calls him my Lord, he said, if it pleases you, stop here for a while and rest while water's brought to wash your feet. So, I mean, there were three men, but he says, my Lord, calls my Lord. And then they, um, and then, but it was God listening, you know, because Sarah, they were having a conversation and Sarah was listening. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I just, what's one of my favorite parts of the Bible where Sarah says, no, I didn't laugh. And God, no, yes, you did. You know, no, you did. <laughs> it's like, it's because she was and a friend. Abraham laughed too. Yeah, and he laughed on his own. And it's interesting how how could I become father of the age of hundred? You know, when he said he already calculated that by the time the baby would be born, he would be a hundred. But right now, when he said that right here, he was still ninety nine. Uh huh. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting how he calculated that. You know, it takes going to take months. about a year, and mm-hmm. by, it's interesting that. Yeah, and, and I always heard like it, it, it was 20 years after they had Isaac from when God told them you'll be a father of many nations remember earlier we read that last so 10 years had passed and the promise hadn't happened and that's when they decided to come you know conjure up their own so plan you're saying that they had 10 years of calling him Abraham before he came to pass and so right when he changed her name? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, that's and, not where I was going, but that's a good point. Um, where were you going? I'm just, I'm just saying that it had been ten years, and they said we gotta, we gotta do this on our own. We gotta get in here, create a baby, you know. And, and ten years had passed. Okay, right here it says when he was ninety-nine years old, the mm-hmm. Lord appeared to him, and Abram fell to the ground. Mm-hmm. So he was still named Abram, right? At ninety-nine. Uh-huh. And then at a hundred, he had the kid. <laughs> so it wasn't. It, I was wrong. It wasn't ten years of calling him. He, the Lord, you know, at eighty-nine, the Lord did not appear to him. Right. Well, was, I will confirm my covenant generation, and then God said to Abraham, "You're responsible." Wait a minute. Where does it say he changed his name, Adam? Uh, over here. What? What age? Um. Let's see. Okay, no, yeah, right here, the next verse, it says, you will be called Abraham. Abraham, instead, you will be called Abraham at uh, 4, verse 4, 12, 4, 17, 4. Mm-hmm. 17, 1, when he was 99 years old, and 17, 4, he says, so right away, they started calling him Abraham within 9 or 10 months or a year before the baby was born. Mm-hmm. I think it was when. Right here. 
Yeah. But that was when, once his name got changed, the promise came to pass. It did. What I'm saying? Yeah. The point is that I'm not saying it took 10 years of calling it by faith. People started calling it by faith within nine months, within a year. Yeah, but what I'm saying? Uh, You know, his name, Abraham, meaning, hey, father of many nations. It's like you can call me uh, Fernando, a giant in Glendora business community. And it hasn't, you know, we're calling it by by faith. faith. Yeah. And Sarah, I don't know what Sarah means. Sarai means laughter. Or Isaac means laughter. Mm -hmm. One of those. But, um, you know, over here, um, in the beginning of the chapter, it said that they had, um, you know, that their idea about him sleeping with Hagar came 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. Yeah. But oh, Sarai means princess. Yeah, princess. Isaac means laughter. No, Isaac means. Doesn't he laughed? Yeah, something like that. He laughed. It's an action word. Pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Okay, Matthew six, chapter one to twenty-four. Holy Spirit, do you have anything else to say about that other than than Abraham was father of many nations? You know, everybody always talks about that, that they they uh, spoke it in faith. Yeah, you know, one thing that I know that Joseph Prince has taught us um, as he goes through the Hebrews information that he teaches us language and stuff, he says that when their names got changed, that's when the promise came. And Abraham, Sarah, the hey at the end is about grace. The power of God. Yeah. Okay, <clears throat> Matthew 6, chapter 1. I mean, I'm Matthew 6, verse 1, excuse me, to 24. Okay. Watch out. Don't you do good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do. Blowing trumpets in the synagogue and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. If I, Jesus, tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gift in private and your Father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, this, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of their religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you you ask Him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us of our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. 
And don't let, let us yield to temptations, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your Heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive you of your sins. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheaved so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, it is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will notice that you are fasting, except your Father who knows what you do in private. And your Father who sees everything will reward you. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moth eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasures is, there your desires of your heart will be also. Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep the darkness is. No one can serve two masters. You will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despite the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. We thank you that we have the Holy Spirit within us and he brings us whatever area to mind. He brings forth what we're to, to meditate and talk about, Lord God. We know, Lord God, your scriptures, but we know what the Holy Spirit wants to drive home, Lord. We thank you by faith for what the Holy Spirit speaks to us in Jesus' name. Amen. The, the thing that stood out for me was um, that your I seen, when I prayed, I was on my knees once, and I was praying in this vacant house we were trying to sell in real estate. I was staying in there to watch the house in Sacramento. I saw somebody watching me on the, like someone was leaning up against the, the hall and looking inside my bedroom where I was on my knees praying. Mm -hmm. And I got the impression that uh, he watches us. And it, and it said right here twice, that your Father who sees everything will reward you. Mm. And then again, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. Amen. So, you know, um, it's either we're being admired by the things that we do. Mm. You know, when we get in prayer in private, then your Father who sees everything will reward you. I think one of the hardest things for me is uh, is not telling someone when I do a good deed. You know, I wonder if that's how I blowing my trumpet <laughs> has uh, I got my reward already from someone else. You know, but when you give your gift in private and your father who sees everything, and it actually says it two three times, your father who sees everything will. Who sees everything will reward you. And then again, 
in the next few verses it says shut the door behind you and pray and when your father in private when your father who sees everything will reward you and then again way down here no one will notice what you're fasting except your father who knows what you do in private so three things right fasting in private mm-hmm. praying, praying in, in private, private and giving in private and giving in private right you know room for improvement is the biggest room in the house i have room for improvement go away by yourself shut the door behind you and pray <sighs> you want me to read the study? No. Go ahead. No? No. Okay. We got it. I mean, you know, the one, the one thing I was pondering on right now is, you know, the last paragraph where it says, Don't store up your treasures here on earth where moths will eat them, rust destroys them, and where the thieves break in and steal. Instead, you store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves don't break their steel. So wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Um, it sounds like we need not put well, a lot of emphasis well, on Oh, you know, you just showed me something I haven't seen before. Uh-huh. Uh, 22 is right in between those two verses you just mentioned. Uh-huh. So 22 is like an explanation, another way to see it. It says, provide light for your body. When your eye is good, the whole eye body is filled with light. In other words, if you have eye, if you lust for the worldly things, Amen. Yeah. when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darker, how deep that darkness is. So you, you brought it to my attention that as we expect Jesus to return, with our, if we believe it, our treasure is in heaven. Mm-hmm. We know we will beam with light, our body, mm. and our treasures will still be well taken care of. Being yeah, uh, I, I think this has to be. Um, um, you like to see it in another translation? Yes, because I think it, I mean, it's obviously talking about material things here. Because it said, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, but I don't think it means um, you can't have a nice car or you can't have a nice house. I don't think that that's what it means. It means keep it in. Uh, of the things of God, you know, uh, give to the kingdom so it can it, it, so it can help others come to know Jesus Christ. That's the treasure. The souls are the treasure. You know. Um, so you you can't be, I guess. I mean, you can be a famous person, but you're tithing constantly and you're giving to the things of the poor. You know, God will prosper you. You know, doesn't mean you can't do that. But I think it's when you get so consumed with the money that that's where your heart becomes um, of the things of the world. You know, the things of the lust of the world, the pride of the world, um, those things. 
Okay, uh, well, right here it's explicit. You cannot be slave, you know, in other words, a new, um, what do you say, thought starts mm -hmm. in 24. You cannot be slave to two masters. You will hate one and love the other. You will be loyal to one and despite the other. You cannot serve both and love. This is why I tell you, do not be worried of food and drink. Okay, so right here in this version, Good News Testament splits the thought pattern at verse 24. And in this Bible, it kept it here. So we thought they're connected, okay? Mm -hmm. So that's a good thing. Light of the body is separate from the other one. It says, the light of a lamp for the body, if your eye are sound, the whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are no good, your body will be in darkness. So if the light in you, you is darkness, how terrible the dark will be, okay? So it's basically speaking about salvation right there, huh? Don't you think? It has a reference of Luke 34, 36. And the one before that, Do not store up riches for yourself here on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and robbers break in and steal. Instead, store up riches for yourself in heaven, where moth and rust cannot destroy, for, and robbers cannot break in and steal. For your heart will always bear where your riches are. So according to Good News Testament, they're all three different thoughts, and we thought they were all connected. Mm, interesting. Well, let's, let's, look, let's go over the easy-to-read version. Maybe the Because I think in Luke right there, I thought that in that there, somewhere in Luke it talks about how you, you can use the mammoth of the world, you know. Yeah, to be friends yeah. with. Uh -huh. to, to be friends with it so that you can, you know, use it for, for me for the kingdom. Yeah, Luke 12, 33, 34, 11, 34, 36, and 6, and 13. Don't save treasures for yourself here in our easy-to-read version. Moths and rust will destroy them, and thieves can break into your house and steal them. Instead, save your treasures in heaven, where they cannot be destroyed by moth or rust, and where the thieves cannot break in and steal them. Your heart will be where your treasure is. You know, that's a great scripture for the second coming of Jesus Christ, you know. Mm -hmm. The only source of light for the body is the eye. If you look at people and want to help them, you will be full of light. But if you look at people in a selfish way, you will be full of darkness. And if the only light you have is really darkness, you have the worst kind of darkness. You cannot serve two masters at the same time. You will hate one and love the other. Or you will be loyal to one and not care about the other. You cannot serve God and money at the same time. How about the Message Bible? See what the message has to say. It says right here, don't hoard treasures down here where it gets eaten by moth and corroded by rust first, stolen by burglars. Stockpile treasures in heaven where it's safe from moth and rust. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is is the place where you most want to be and end up being. Your eyes are windows in your body. Mm. If you open your eyes wide in wonder and belief, your body will feel, be filled with light, wonder, and belief. Mm -hmm. I like that. If you live squinty eye in greed and distrust, mm -hmm. your body is dank and cellar. It will be, you'll pull the blinds on your own windows. What a dark life you will have. You can't worship two gods at once, loving one God, and you end up hating the other. Adoration of one feeds contempt of the other. You can't worship God and money both. Okay. Uh... 
show me one more, but we don't have that here. Okay, it says that fasting was Matthew chapter 6, 3 to 4, and 16. Okay, but I don't really, it doesn't really. It's really not going into that. Okay, that's good enough. Yeah. Kind of that last thing about the eye is your eye is a lamp to provide light for your body. So, you know, it, it's it's kind of like, be careful what you see, what you're, you have your eyes on. Mm. Okay, well, you're right. Um, well, you know how the other two, two versions uh, shed light on it. You know, it's probably talking about uh, giving. Don't store up yourself treasures on earth. You know, we're blessed to start to break in, but store up yourself treasures in heaven. How do you do it? By giving it away. Mm -hmm. We're neither moth nor rust to store. Well, how else are you going to save it, right? Yeah, but... Because the scripture mm -hmm. does say when you give to the Lord, he'll pay you back with even with interest. Yeah. So there's, but, there's a key there. Yeah. And also, though, there, I think it's kind of connected to Malachi 3, in a sense, that the Lord, you know, when you do bring the tithe into the storehouse, the Lord rebukes the devourer, you know, um, your money is going to go a lot farther, it's going to be protected, you know, um, sanctified holy at that point. The 90%. Yeah. And also, uh, I yeah. Mean, I mean, I believe that in our time of marriage, that we have seen that a lot of that, where our money goes longer, you know, we can go... A couple of weeks until you get paid but we have all our needs met you know it's just we're not experiencing uh, what we're experiencing is provision coming our way in the time that we need it and and not things being stolen you know I don't know I, I think that it has you're right it's connected to giving but also that you know the Lord protects our our money Amen. You know, the other scriptures, there was another scripture, but the thought left me. Um, uh, but, oh well. So I really believe that it's on, uh, on being generous, being generous. And that's how we stock up the treasures in heaven. Uh, and not being stingy with our eyes. Mm -hmm. And be believing and giving, mm -hmm. and and that's how we do not serve two masters, because the the mm -hmm. second master doesn't have a hold of us, right? Because we're you know every time we get resources, we we tend to uh, distribute them, <laughs> you know you know so we're we're actually oh, okay. You were already like that when I met you, and I was already like this. I mean, wow. we we were so addicted to giving that it hurt us. Mm -hmm. I lost, you know, I lost cars. I lost places to live and stuff from giving so much to the church. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to do but, it to both. But do you think the eye is, you know, 
know, what are you looking at? You know, well, the the eye is the attitude, you know, mm-hmm. to be mm-hmm. full of. If you're going to be greed, it said greed and. Tr- you know, how is our heavenly Father? Our heavenly Father gives rain and sun to the just and the unjust. You know, uh-huh. he gives them his their benefits that they can experience. He doesn't hold back to them. Their own actions, their own words is what hurts them. But the overall mercy and benefits are there. So I believe he wants he wants it to be like replenishing our resource. He's given us a key how to replenish the resources. Our resources. Protect and protect our resources. Yeah, in heaven. Yeah. And I'm sure we we we're pretty stockpile in there, you and I, because we have um you know, one of the things is, is evident is that we have joy and peace and hope, believing, you know, when times get hard. We, mm-hmm. we, we, we encourage each other, keep believing, keep mm-hmm. hope, don't get, you know, stay like little kids. Our Father yes. in Heaven will take care of us. Amen. His benefits That's are all right. over us. That's right. You know, it's, uh, we... Okay, okay. All right, Psalm 7, 1 through 17. Pray for justice today as you read Psalm 7. Thank the Lord for the day when he will right every wrong. Amen. Amen. Yes, Lord, we ask you to right every wrong. Yes, Lord. Lord, we thank you for Psalm 7. I come to you for protection, O Lord, my God. Save me from my persecutors. Rescue me. If you don't, they will maul me like a lion, tear me to pieces with no one to rescue me, tearing me. O oh Lord my God, if I have done wrong, or am I guilty of injustice, or if I have betrayed a friend, or plundered my enemy without a cause, then let my enemies capture me. Let them trample me in the ground and drag my honor in the dust. Arise! Arise, O Lord, in anger. Stand up against the fury of my enemies. Wake up, my God, and bring justice. Gather the nations before you. Rule over them from on high. The Lord judges the nations. Declare me righteous, O Lord, for I am innocent, O Most High. And the evil of those who are wicked and defend the righteous. For you look deep within my the mind and heart O righteous God, God is my shield, saving those whose hearts are true and right. God is an honest judge. He is angry with the wicked every day. If a person does not repent, God will sharpen his sword. He will bend and string his bow. He will prepare his deadly weapons and shoot his flaming arrows. The wicked conceive evil. They are pregnant with trouble and give birth to lies. They dig a deep, deep pit to trap others, then fail, fall into themselves. The trouble they make for others backfires on them. The violence they plan falls on their own heads. I will thank the Lord because He is just. I will sing praises to the name of the Lord Most High. Amen. Proverbs 2, 1-5 through My child, listen to what I say. And treasure my commands. Turn your ear to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Cry out for insight and ask 
for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord. And you will gain knowledge of God. Amen. Again, uh, I read... Remember that the Hebrew, or the word ask, in the Greek, there's four different levels, stronger levels of asking. Asking for understanding. I remember I was studying for my, I told you this before, it's a good time to iterate again. Reiterate. What? Reiterate. Reiterate. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, when I experienced that I needed more information, I, uh, I, I dreamed, I was crying out for understanding in sort of a way. I didn't know I was, but I was just crying out. I was going to do my real estate test. And I had a dream that I was pulling on this, on this pipe, this hose, and I followed the hose. The hose was understanding. It was one word. And the hose was, was coming from the ocean. When I, I pulled it and I went through the, this, this little forest, um, jungle and then and then the sandy beach and then there was the ocean and the pipe was all the way in the ocean and the ocean was God God's wisdom and from God's wisdom I was understanding one word and I was pulling on that word trying to memorize what the word said mm. like you know fiduciary or fiduciary. Uh, you know a lot of those uh, terminologies that real estate use and I realized that all words are established and come from God's mind, from God's uh, heart, and mm -hmm. which was the ocean. So why did I say that? It's because we're supposed to ask for understanding, uh -huh. cry out for uh -huh. insight, then for the and search for them as you yeah. would for it's silver, seek them like hidden treasures. Then you will understand what it means. To, you know, and so I feared the Lord after I saw that ocean. I said, wow, everything comes from Him, you know. That's what it says here in verse 5. Uh, then you will gain knowledge of God that from Him comes all words. And my understanding means to fear the Lord or to honor Him for His great, awesome power. And you passed that test on the first time, right? Yeah, I passed the real estate so test. That, that test is very, very difficult. People have a hard time passing that test. Yeah, some people grow crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I like, you know, I was just looking at this Proverbs 2 where we're starting. I always thought Proverbs 3 and 4 are the ones that really talk about get wisdom, get understanding. It's just, in the, you know, I know it's in other places, but it's interesting that it kind of started in Proverbs 2 and it's going to go into 3 and 4. But, um, and I like what it says here that, um, you know, search for it like you do silver. Um, seek them like hidden treasures um, then you'll understand what it means to fear the Lord and you will gain knowledge of God so those are hidden treasures yeah so you know I think the scripture says I don't know if it's in Psalms or Proverbs it's uh, the Lord's um, it, the Lord conceals matters but it's about the kings to search out the matter it's kind of, I think that's what it. Yes, yes. It, you know, it just made me think. What about if I, if I get out, I search God for His benefits and His riches and His treasures and His. How about the word, um, wisdom and power and love, that that He reigns over us. 
So I like, I like that because it really is, you know, for me, it, it's like I'm learning more and growing more in, in the dream area because that's where I cry out for insight in at night. That's when I like to have that information downloaded from heaven. So when I ask the Lord to give me insight, he, he brings it. And then it's sometimes I don't understand it at first. That's why I write it down. And then I search out a little bit, well, what does that really mean when I see that in a dream or, you know, from people who have who have studied it more. And as I listen to it on YouTube through John, John Paul Jackson, you know, I begin to, to understand it more. So that gives me wisdom and understanding. But it's our, you know, it's up to the kings to search out the matter, you know, and, and that God speaks in different ways, you know. Um, so I, I really, this really, really blessed me today because we also saw the teaching a few days ago with Joseph Prince and he was talking about how God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. But how do you get all those things? You get it by learning more of the knowledge of Christ and God. That's how you get all those things, is by, by having that, the knowledge in Him, in Jesus Christ. So, um, you know, it takes time, it takes dedication, it takes uh, overcoming your flesh to know more about Him and who He is and how, how awesome He is, you know, and how, you know, like you said, you had the dream about the ocean. It was so huge that all things come from God. It just touched your heart. So um, anyway, that's a good deal. That's a real good deal. Let me see. You just, uh, you just, I just, I'm looking at the easy-to-read version and the Good News Testament, which is exactly what they are. They're Good News Testament and easy-to-read. So where do we go? What was that scripture at? Proverbs? Proverbs 2, 1-5. to Okay, here you go. This is the easy to read. My son, pay attention to what I say. Remember my commands. Listen to wisdom. And do your best to understand. Ask for good judgment. There you go. Ask for good judgment. Mm -hmm. Cry out for understanding. Look for wisdom like silver. Search for it like hidden treasure. And if you do this, you will understand what it means to respect the Lord. And you will come to know God. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay, mm -hmm. and the other one says, the good news says... Uh, my child, learn what I teach you and never forget what I tell you. Listen to what is wise and try to understand it. Yes, beg for knowledge, plead for insight. Look for it as hard as you would do for silver or some hidden treasure. If you do, you will know what it means to fear the Lord and you will succeed learning about God. Amen. That is, that is really powerful. Look at, really si look at 6. It is the Lord who gives wisdom from him comes knowledge and understanding. He provides help and protection for those who are righteous and honest. He will protect those who treat others fairly and guard those who are devoted to him. If you listen to me, you will know what is right, just, and fair. You will know what you should do. You will become wise and your knowledge will give you pleasure. Your insight and understanding will protect you and prevent you from doing the wrong thing. They will keep you away from people who stir up trouble by what they say. Those who have abandoned a righteous life to live in the darkness of sin 
those who find pleasure in doing wrong and who enjoy senseless evil, unreliable people who cannot be trusted. You will be able to resist any immoral woman who tries to seduce you and lead you on the wrong path. Isn't my that beautiful? Teach, yeah, it says, my, my child, don't forget what I teach you. Always remember what I tell you to do. My teaching will give you a long, a and, long prosperous and prosperous life. life. Never let, let go, go of loyalty and, and faithfulness. That's one, two, three. The time around your neck. That's okay, we're three. in the three already. <laughs> okay, well, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Actually, I, yeah. Um, but that is very, very amazing because it says, keep your eyes on, on the Word. Keep your eyes on the Word of God. You know, it's given us solid information that, um, that once the word is established in your heart, you know, you cannot lose it. You know, like if you cry out for insight, you know, how do you, God, how do you run this world? And I, I don't want to be stumbling and messing up. And you cry and you seek and three weeks you're pounding in heaven. And you're, that's begging and shouting and crying. Yeah, you want to know. Yeah, I, you know. You know, that because you have the time, you know. You just, you're, un, you know, he's given us that kind of a tenacity mm. to ask and to seek. And then within three or four weeks, he'll answer you. And then he'll be changed forever. You have, a, you know, you, you, you've gone into the heavens and brought back something, mm. some kind of sanctification that will mm. keep you. That's good stuff. That wow. Good. Heavy duty. Amen. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Lord, we ask you and seek you with all our heart and mind and soul. Lord, please honor the time that we spend seeking your word and, and, and sifting your word, Lord God, that we may find gold nuggets. Yes, Lord. And Lord, we just fear you and we ask you, Lord God, for that knowledge of God, Lord, that we may know you, Lord, and, and, and be established in your knowledge and your fear, Lord that we may fear you and know you how your words work, Lord. Thank you, Father, for establishing Jesus Christ in our hearts and knowing him thoroughly and freely in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. I have a good study, babe. Good deal. Father in heaven, we thank you for today's reading. We ask your presence, Lord God, in today's word. You are our daddy. Thank you for supplying all our needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Thank you for making us aware of our benefits and Lord, making us aware of the godly skills you have given us and the knowledge you have given us. Help us to use, Lord God, the best things you have given us for the purpose in life, Lord, all our skills. We thank you for those skills. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. <clears throat> Genesis 18, 16 through 19:38. Then the men got up from their meal and looked out toward Sodom. Sodom. As they left, Abraham went with them to send them on their way. Should I hide my plans from Abraham? The Lord asked. <clears throat> For Abraham will certainly become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. I have singled him out so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Then I will do for Abraham all that I have promised. So the Lord told Abraham, I have heard a great outcry from Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah. Because their sins... <clears throat> is so flagrant. I am going down to see if their actions are as wicked 
as I have heard. If not, I want to know. The other man turned and headed towards Saddam, but the Lord remained with Abraham. Interesting. The other man turned and headed towards Saddam, but the Lord, but the Lord remained with Abraham. Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away both the righteous and the wicked? Suppose you find 50 righteous people living there in the city. Will you still sweep it away and not spare it for their sakes? <clears throat> Surely you wouldn't do such a thing. Destroying the righteous along with the wicked. Why you should be treating the righteous and the wicked exactly the same. Surely you wouldn't do that. Should not the judge of all the earth do what is right? And the Lord replied, If I find 50 righteous people in Saddam, I will spare the entire city for their sake. Then Abraham spoke again, Since I have begun, let me speak further to my Lord, even though I am but dust and ashes. Suppose there are only 45 righteous people rather than 50. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? And the Lord said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 righteous people there. Then Abraham pressed his request further. Suppose there are only 40. And the Lord replied, I will not destroy it for the sake of the 40. Please don't be angry, my Lord, Abraham pleaded. Let me speak. Suppose only 30 righteous people are found. And the Lord replied, I will not destroy if I find 30. Then Abraham said, Since I have dared to speak to the Lord, let me continue. Suppose there are only 20. And the Lord replied, Then I will not destroy it for the sake of the 20. Finally, Abraham said, Lord, please don't be angry with me if I speak one more time. Suppose only 10 are found there. And the Lord replied, Then I will not destroy it for the sake of the 10. When the Lord had finished his conversation with Abraham, he went on his way, and Abraham returned to his tent. That evening, the two angels came to the entrance of the city of Saddam. Sodom. Lot was sitting there, and when he saw them, he stood up to meet them. Then he welcomed them and bowed with his face to the ground. My lords, he said, come to my home and wash, to wash your feet and be my guest for the night. You may then get up early in the morning and be on your way again. Oh no, they replied, we just spend the night out here in the city square. But Lot insisted, so at last they went home with him. Lot prepared a feast for them, complete with fresh bread made without yeast, and they ate. But before they retired for the night, all the men of Sodom Young and old came from all over the city and surrounded the house. They sh shouted to Lot, Where are the men who came to spend the night with you? Bring them out so we can have sex with them. So Lot stepped outside to talk to them, shutting the door behind him. Please, my brothers, I beg you, don't do such a wicked thing. Look, I have two virgin daughters. Let me bring them out to you, and you can do with them as you wish. But please leave these men alone, for they are my guests and are under my protection. Stand back, they shouted. This fellow came to town as an outsider, and now he's acting like our judge. We'll, we'll treat you far worse than those other men. 
and they lunged toward Lot to break down the door. But the two angels reached out, pulled Lot into the house, and bolted the door. Then they blinded all the men, young and old, who were at the door of the house, so they gave up trying to get inside. Meanwhile, the angels questioned Lot, Do you have any other relatives here in the city? They asked, Get them out of this place, your son-in-law, sons, daughters, or anyone else. For we are about to destroy this city completely. The outcry against this place is so great, it has reached the Lord and has sent us to destroy it. He, and He has sent us. So Lot rushed out to tell his daughter's fiancés, Quick, get out of the city. The Lord is about to destroy it. But the young man thought he was only joking. At dawn the next morning, the angels became insistent. Hurry, they said to Lot. Take your wife and your two daughters who are here. Get out right now or you will be swept away in the destruction of the city. When Lot still hesitated, the angel seized his hand and the hand of his wife and two daughters and rushed them to safety outside the city. For the Lord was merciful. When they were safely out of the city, one of the angels ordered, Run for your lives and don't look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains or you will be swept away. Oh no, my Lord, Lot begged. You have been so gracious to me and saved my life, and you, and you have shown such great kindness. But I cannot go to the mountains. Disaster would catch up to me there, and I would soon die. See, there's a small village nearby. Please let me go there instead. Don't you see how small it is? Then my life will be saved. All right, said the angel. I will grant your request. I will not destroy the little village, but hurry, escape to it. For I can do nothing until you arrive there. This explains why the village is known as Zor, which means little place. Lot reached the village just as the sun was rising over the horizon. Then the Lord rained down fire and burning sulfur from the sky on Sodom and Gomorrah. He utterly destroyed them along with the other cities and villages of the plain, wiping out all the people and every bit of vegetation. But Lot's wife looked back as she was following behind him, and she turned into a pillar of salt. Abraham got up that early that morning and hurried out to the place where he had stood in the Lord's presence. He looked out across the plain toward Sodom and Gomorrah and watched as columns of smoke rose from the cities like smoke from a furnace. But God had listened to Abraham's request and kept Lot safe, removing him from the disaster that engulfed the city on the plain. Afterwards, Lot left Zoar because he was afraid of the people there, and he went to live in a cave in the mountain with his two daughters. One day, the old daughter said, older daughter said to her sister, There are no men left anywhere in this entire area, so we can't get married like everyone else and our father will soon be too old to have children. Come, let's get him drunk with wine, and then we will have sex with him. That we that, that way we will preserve our family line through our father. So that night they got him drunk with wine, and the older daughter went in and had intercourse with his father. He was unaware of her lying down or getting up again. The next morning the older daughter said to the younger sister, 
I had sex with our father last night. Let's get him drunk with wine again tonight, and you go in and have sex with him. That way we will preserve our family line through our father. So that night they got him drunk with wine again, and the younger daughter went in and had intercourse with him as before. He was unaware of her lying down or getting up again. As a result, both of Lot's daughters became pregnant by their own father. When the older daughter gave birth to a son, she named him Moab. He became the ancestor of the nation known as the Moabites. When the young, younger daughter gave birth to a son, she named him Ben-Ami. He became the ancestors of the nation known as the Ammonites. Would you like to read Matthew 6.25? Matthew 6.25 to 7.14. That is why I, Jesus, tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or have enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them, and aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wild flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying what we'll eat, what will we drink, what will we wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your Heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today, trouble, Today's trouble is enough for today. Do not judge others and you will not be judged for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own? I. Um, I. Speck in your own eye. <laughs> what I say. <laughs> Hypocrite, get, first get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls, then turn and attack you. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. 
Your, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you simple people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? Do it to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the Law and the Prophets. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and the gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gate to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. Okay, Psalm chapter 8, verse 1 to 9. O Lord, our God, your majestic name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. You have taught children and infants to tell of your strength, silencing your enemies and all who oppose you. When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them? human beings that you should care for them. Yet you made them only a little lower than the angels. A little lower than God. Uh, you made, yet you made them only a lo little lower than God. And crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them charge of everything you made, putting all things under their authority, the flocks and the herds and all the wild animals. The birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, and everything that swims the ocean currents. O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. Beautiful. Yeah. Proverbs 2, 6-15. For the Lord grants wisdom. Amen. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. He is a shield to those who walk with integrity. He guards the path of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. Then you will understand what is right, just, and fair, and you will find the right way to go. For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will fill you with joy. Wise choices will watch over you. Understanding will keep you safe. Wisdom will save you from evil people, from those whose words are twisted. These men turn from the right way to walk down dark paths. They take pleasure in doing wrong, and they enjoy the twisted ways of evil, and their actions are crooked, and their ways are wrong. Amen. 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 All right, let's go to uh, about Abraham. This is the first time I noticed that it says that, uh, the, but the two angels reached they left in the in, in uh, the nineteen one that mm -hmm. evening. The two angels came to the entrance of the city, but where the the Lord stood with Abraham, and the two angels went down there to do the work. Yeah, they were assigned that that job. It's really interesting, and because you know those those uh, those two uh, nations that were made of those two babies they were always against Moab mm -hmm. 
they will sacrifice their children. That's where Ruth came from. I yes, think, Moab. Ruth is Moabite. Mm -hmm. And then the Ammonites were the ones who, you know, they were always fighting uh, the Israelites. Uh -huh. um, I don't know what made the ladies go in despair. And then another thing is that the the, the dad, he he was uh, he was in a blackout. You know, he mm -hmm. got. He must have always been getting drunk and being in a blackout, because you know able to get you know he must have been uh, an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. To him to get in the blackout and not notice that she laid down and got up, um, only an alcoholic can do something like that. Mm -hmm. You know that they were used to him getting that drunk. I don't know. That's my estimate. Wow! Just give me like an ugly feeling of Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, it's just, they came to the house and they said, where are those, where are your guests, because we want to have sex with them, it's, just, it's kind of ugly. Young and old, huh? it's like, yeah. they have no morals. Yeah, that is, but you know, um, there's a scripture, and I think it's in Matthew, where it talks about, woe to you, Bethsaida. You know, had and it talks about Sodom and Gomorrah. Had they, had they saw the the miracles that Jesus did, they would have repented. So, um, anyway, um, that that's disturbing. And then the other one, uh, Matthew 6.33, Seek you first the kingdom of God. And all these things, uh -huh. are, all these things will be added unto you. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been reading this for over 30 years, and I just understood something. Yeah. It's, <clears throat> it says, uh, why are you of little faith? And then I just mm -hmm. realized it's mm -hmm. the same problem that we have problem today. Mm. The reason people don't have faith is because they don't read the Holy Scriptures. Mm. Amen. That's right. And I just realized that that the reason people uh, we work with don't have faith because they don't have enough in their tank mm -hmm. to give them nourishment. Mm, yeah. You know, they, don't, they yeah. had the Psalms available there. And the Psalms that we're supposed to memorize and recite them and right. go over them. And even in the book of Joshua, 1 8, uh -huh. this book of the law shall not right. depart from your mouth, but thou shalt meditate day in and day and night. Right. And then it seems so easy now as I see this that uh, God has shown me, He will give you everything you need. Amen. You know, and He, he knows what you need. Amen. <clears throat> All I have to do is have faith that he hears me in John chapter, you know, 1 John, that he hears me when I pray. When I have faith, when he hears me when I pray, and I'm, I'm confessing that God, you supply all my needs according mm -hmm. to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus, something happens. Yes. The phone rings, someone asks me, you need anything? Miraculously supplied. Yeah, I, I like. I like that because, it, you know, he's giving a good, he's trying to instill here, look, I clothe, um, don't worry, you know, I clothe the lilies, and even uh, their 
you know, Solomon wasn't clothed in, even with all his glory, they weren't, he wasn't clothed like the beautiful lilies are. And also the birds get taken. He kind of gives like, hey, these are, these are things he's trying to instill in us that um, he will take care of us. It's right here in the word, like you said. And a simple prayer when you need something, you know, and you pray and you're discouraged, you go back to the word and you remember that he said he promised to take care of you. Um, but you just kind of like, it's amazing what you just said. You basically, right now, kind of reiterated the sermon that I heard the other day. Remember I told you it was a really good sermon by Bill Johnson? Mm-hmm. And he talks about Joshua 1 8 because that's one of his main scriptures. You know, that, that the yeah, people, when they go through something, find something, find the Word of God and, and, and feed on it. Mm-hmm. So he said, you know, you have to, it's like when it says, the Lord has prepared a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Um, and so he said, when you, when you have a trial, you've got to feed, your, go to the table and feast like the Lord says in that scripture you, you feast on the word of God so you got what you need um, and and he said something really interesting he said um, is it God what did he say oh, I forget what he said but um, he talked also about Matthew 6:33, where it talked about when you have a situation the reason you want to feast on the word so much and keep it in front of you day and night is that when you get to a situation and you have a trial, you don't want to wait till you're in the trial to start asking God for what you need because now you're just praying for that thing and you're not really, that says to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now you're not really putting God above that. You know, it becomes like you're you're praying for that thing, not seeking his righteousness not having faith that he hears you yeah or just like the joy that he hears yeah, you yeah you know that you basically you know you're you're seeking the thing and not him mm-hmm. That's but so so when he, he put matthew 6 33 it's like first you seek the kingdom of god and his righteousness and then all these things become added to you so if we seek him first and not when we get into a pickle that that's when we you know all the things begin to be added to you because we're, you know, feasting on the Word and praising Him. And anyway, it was a really awesome sermon. It still uh, impressed me. All right. Amen. This is why I tell you, this is the Good News Testament. Do not be worried about the food and drink you need in order to stay alive or about the clothes you're, for your body. After all, isn't life worth more than this? Matthew 6, 26. Isn't the body worth more than clothes? Look at the birds. They don't not plant seeds, gather a harvest, or put it in a barn. Yet your Father in heaven takes care of them. Aren't you much worth more than birds? Can any of you live a bit longer by worrying about it? And why worry about clothes? Look how the field flower grows. They do not work or make clothes for themselves. But I tell you that not even King Solomon, with all his wealth, had clothes as beautiful as one of these flowers. It is God who clothes the wild grass, grass that is here today and gone tomorrow, and burned up in the oven, one he all the more surely clothes you. 
he would do for you is just grant one day it's alive the next day someone throws in the fire but God cares enough to make it beautiful surely he would do much for you your faith is so small don't worry and say what will we eat or what we will drink or what we will wear that's what those people who don't know God are always thinking about don't worry because your father in heaven knows that you need all these things what should what you should want most is God's kingdom and doing what he wants you to do then he will give you all these other things you need so don't worry about tomorrow each day has enough trouble of its own tomorrow will have its own worries amen yeah, and I like this illustration. It says, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, you give them a stone instead. Or if they ask for a fish, you give them a snake. Of course not. It says, so if you send good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? That's, you know, he's really trying to... That's in, um, towards the, the end, nine... Um, uh, seven, seven, nine. Oh yeah, I see it. Yeah. He's really trying to drive the point home. Hey, you know, when you're good gift to those who are asking mm -hmm. to do others whatever you would like them to do. This, the essence of all that are taught in the land of the prophets. Yeah, you know, um, the last part of this scripture. It says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. Um, this, this particular scripture has always stayed with me ever since I... I when I was watching Pastor Prince one time, and he talked about the scripture and how people take well, he, it. He talked about it in, in John. It's in John 10 also. Yeah. So, so, anyway, this has always just stuck with me because so many times people always say, narrow is the gate. You know, like it's so hard to, to get to, to believe. You know, the scripture says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So, obviously, he's just saying that at the beginning, it says that um, God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. So, how am I going to say this? The highway to hell is broad for those who choose that direction. That's, you know, if you choose Jesus, you're not going to go to that gate. If you choose him, you're going to go to heaven. So... Um, but the, the part here that really opened up my eyes is this, it's the gateway to life, okay? Life more abundantly, right? That Jesus came to give. So now, um, it's, it's, it's narrow. I see that now. I see that, um, what you just said earlier was when people don't read their word, that it's hard to find the life that Jesus brought you and access it it's an access thing and it says only if you ever find it because in in revelation 
you know, John, John said that there was an innumerable number in heaven from all nations, all from everywhere, and you you couldn't even count the people that were in heaven from when you saw and had that vision. He was taken up, you know. So that's not what the scripture says. It, this, you know, otherwise there'd be only a few people in heaven. That's that's not how this the scripture works. Um, yeah, I was wondering about that. It's pretty strong language, and it's pretty evident that he says, you know, it's just you're, it's going to be. The road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. So that's mm -hmm. kind of hard to get something out of different out of that. But you know, uh, but he says that the the kingdom is through. You only enter it as a little child. You got to mm -hmm. believe. You mm -hmm. know. So I really think it's talking yeah. more about uh, having faith and believing yeah. in God, mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. working to get into the kingdom of God. Yeah, it, it is. Um, you know, Jesus has made our life easy. But we have to know him and the finished work of the cross and what what blessings came through that. And the way to, you know, you feed on the word and you, you see what he did. And therefore, you know, you can have days on earth, from days of heaven here on this earth. Amen. You know, so it's, it's the thing it's difficult... You know, getting into your Bible, being, you know, declaring the Word of God, taking time. I mean, I talk to people sometimes, and, and it's like, just to get them to, to declare a scripture, it seems like it's work for them, you know, when the answer is already there for them. And you try to give them like a, like a tool or a, a skill or try to teach them that the Word of God is the truth and the way and the life. Amen. And that's through Jesus. Only knowing Jesus and his accomplished work brings down the kingdom. Okay. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord God. It's evident the Holy Spirit will bring us the truth and what we need to go over, Lord. I thank you for speaking to our hearts, Lord God, and giving us meat, new meat, Lord Amen. God, that we may know thee, Lord, and sharpen our skills, Lord, that we may be ready when you send those with open hearts to receive your word, Lord. We thank you that you cover them with the blood of Jesus Christ. And you keep them safe. Lord, we thank you for those things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, here's another one. Do not judge or you will not be judged. Now, how do you treat those people? You said that they're not... You give them scriptures. And, and for you will be treated as you treat others. Huh? The standard used in judging is the same standard by which we'll be judged. Like you said, mm -hmm. what about the people that don't read their word enough? How are we supposed to get them to not judge them? <laughs> yeah, and I don't think it's an issue. You just want them to, to experience this abundant life. Yeah, of you course. You know, it's, a, it's more of a, like, gosh, you know. No, but how do you do not judge others? It says judge right here. How do you not judge them? You're judging them. You're saying, well, their problem is they don't read the Word of God enough. They don't seek God. That's why they're being beaten up. Mm. I always fall on that category, yeah. you know. So I guess I'm supposed to have greater compassion and and um, 
and pray for them. Mm, amen. You know, like a yes. father would, that yes. they, they may come forward and try not to judge them. But, you know, when they're ready, the Father in Heaven will bring them forward. Um, I think that's a very important thing, not to judge them, to give, them, give everybody the benefit of the doubt that they will come in. Those are the only people that I always have fun talking with friends that, that are not judgmental. You can tell right away, you can talk to them and feel good. And they look at you with just compassion. They don't uh, judge you, you know, that you're... When I'm in the, in the, in the meetings, I try not to look at people because they think I'm judging them, you know, because I got a harsh look, a strong mm -hmm. look, mm -hmm. you know. Can it, let, let me uh, go ahead and read Matthew 7, 1 through 5. It says, okay. Pronouncing judgment is not foreign to New Testament teaching. Jesus cautioned against false prophets. And Paul taught that we should exercise church discipline and trust God to be the final judge. But Jesus' warning, do not judge others, is against the attitude that tears others down in order to build oneself up. Mm. Jesus tells us to examine our own motives and conduct, looking for hypocrisy. It is not a blanket statement to overlook wrong behavior of others, but a call to be discerning and reflective. We should apply every teaching to ourselves before we apply it to anyone else. The trait in others that bother us are often the habits we see in our own lives. Our simple habits can be very ones that we must want others to change. And say, well, that's not necessarily true. You hear that all the time. You know, they, you know, that's somebody's opinion here. That's not necessarily true. You know, if you're if the Holy Spirit is telling you that duck is wrong, you know, and you have uh, in, uh, righteous indignation that they're doing something wrong, you're going to stand up and do it. That's what Christians do. Um, you know, this, you know, this, some of these commentaries, they want to make you feel all of the time that you're guilty. <laughs> but we're not guilty. We're a demonstration of God's righteousness living inside of us. We're being forgiven. I think, I think here is, because uh, I think, um, I think in Luke 6.37, it kind of talks a little bit about this as well. You know, it says, Give and it shall be given back to you. Um, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men get into your bo bosom. But I think the context of that scripture talks about not judging also. Um, if you, you that read is about it. money. Mm, well, not gonna be no, but it sounds good. Pull, pull it up. Well, it is. It's all Second Corinthians eight nine, right? Nine eight in that area. Mm, no, I'm talking about Luke Luke six. I know it, but it says give, give, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. With the same measure you give, it will be given back. So that's pretty good. I like that. Um, That'll work. Yeah, no. uh, but I, I, okay, so what I'm getting at is that um, you're saying, well, you know, it, it's emphasizing here, do not judge others and you will not be judged. So um, I guess what we're saying is mercy, you extend mercy, it, it, mercy triumphs over judgment. Well, you know, you, you give a person so much, you know, there's an agreement. Anyway, all is good. Praise God.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. When you thank me for the many pleasures I provide, this is the Lord Jesus speaking out of 1 Thessalonians 5.18 and Psalms 146.121. When you thank me for many pleasures, I provide you affirm that I am God from whom all blessings flow. When adversities may strike and you thank me anyway, your trust in my sovereignty is the showpiece of invisible realms. Fill up your spare moments of your life with praise and thanksgiving. This joyous discipline will help you live in the intimacy of my presence. It is impossible to praise or thank me too much, saith the Lord. As it is written, I inhabit the praises of my people. Sometimes your adoration is a spontaneous overflow of joy in response to radiant beauty or rich blessings. At other times... Your praise is more discipline and measure, an act of your will. I dwell equally in both types of praises. Thankfulness also is the royal road to draw near to me. A thankful heart has plenty of room for me. Amen. Now listen to some of my favorite music. Tell me this again, honey. Uh, we were reading about uh, how it is impossible to praise God too much. So you had a dream about thanking God and He rescued you in your dream, huh? Yes. Uh, right here it says, A thankful heart has plenty of room for me. So tell me what you dreamt. So <clears throat> on December the, I think it was the 5th or the 7th, I, I recorded it on the iPad. Um, I had a dream, and in this dream, <clears throat> I was in this building, and the building was a, a high building, and it was dark. It was dark, like it was, the weather was really cloudy and just, it seemed like a dark feeling. Mm -hmm. And then um, in this building, I started, uh, all of a sudden the, the earthquake, it was a big shift, but it was really a, a violent quake. It started to violently shake. And in the dream, I said to myself, you need a covering. So I got under the window ledge. I climbed up, to, and it was a high window ledge. So I climbed up there for my covering. Well, in the meantime, a second earthquake came. And it was violently shaking, and I, I couldn't hold on, so I fell back. But as I was falling back, I felt the feeling like, okay, well, if this is it, I'm just going to thank God. So I began to thank God. I said, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, for my life. I was just grateful for my life. Thank you for my marriage. I did thank him for that. And um, as I did that, the water came gushing into the building. Okay, realized I was in a high building, so... That's amazing that the water came into the high building. Like from the, it felt like a lot of water rushing in, and as as it was rushing in, a white boat showed up. A like white it just boat. showed up. But there was no driver or anything. It just showed up. So I got in the boat. And the boat took me somewhere, rescued me to take me to a place, 
and the place was actually a church and um, in this dream I was wearing a purple top and the color in the dream was highlighted to me as very significant and so I was wearing this purple shirt and uh, or blouse and and the people said we've been waiting for you and they some of the people had purple shirts on as well Wow. So um, it was, wow, you know, it seemed kind of like a scary dream. But man, when I woke up, I was excited about what, what the, you know, what how how I got rescued was the, the process of Thanksgiving. And so um, it was, purple signifies royalty in, in colors. So um, it, to me, it's like God saying, you're royalty. I got your back. Whenever you need on me, thank me. And uh, he was taking me almost to a place of destiny in the dream, like in a church. So my destiny is, my calling is, obviously in the body of Christ, that's what everybody who believes is part of that body, but I have a place in that church, and it's, he's going to take me there. That's beautiful, that's beautiful. You know, <clears throat> and I'm so glad you can interpret the dream, you know, the, the cloud and the, mm -hmm. I, uh, when I was in Antioch, I had this uh, guy with a big tattoo on his on his on the side of his neck, all the way up to his ear, around his half of his. And uh, I forgot his name, but he came up, and I was in the desk, and we just finished the AA meeting, and he said, "Are you Fernando?" And he goes, "Yeah." He goes, "I want you to sponsor me." <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, "I said," and I kind of kicked back and I smiled. And I said. You want me to sponsor you? Okay. I want you to lift up your hands and say, I am a misfit. <laughs> and he clutched his fist and he put them on the thing and he leaned forward at me and he looked at me. And then he, his face relaxed and he said, I'm a misfit. He relaxed a little bit. He said, I, and then he said it a little louder. And, and then he, the, by the third time he said it, a smile came on his face. Uh -huh. Now, sometimes uh, people say they've gotten mad at me. Uh-huh. You know, I used to tell, like, I used to tell people, say, I am fine when they're, when they're, right. when they're drinking or right. when they're sick. I am good. And, and, and they come back and they say, what are you trying to do to me? <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think <clears throat> when I tell someone I am a misfit? Is that scriptural? Yes, it is. Um, and the reason is, first of all, we're all, we've all come short of the glory of God. We all, we all, all sinned and come short, the come short of right, the glory of God. God. So there's right. not one righteous, no, no, Right, either. that's true. However, um, what I'm doing is I'm recognizing, hey, I can't do this on my own strength, on my own self-effort. So by praising the Lord for my shortcomings, that allows His power to come into my life with peace, whether He's going to give me peace or He's going to fix the, the problem. Now, um, Remember, there's a scripture in uh, with Paul about the thorn in the flesh. It says, um, when he's weak, um, you know, that allows the Lord to come in and rest on you. So when we're weak, that's actually a good place to be in our weakness because it allows God to work in our lives. The other way, we're trying to fix it ourselves. We're trying to, uh, you know, do it on our own, and it'll never be the right thing because we'll go, well, the same test will come again because he didn't allow the Lord to come in and be dependent on him. So I, I, I believe, that, and not only that, there's another scripture that says that we thank him in all things. 
Mm. Not just the good stuff. I got a nice house, nice car. But you believe in that process because you have seen results in the process. That you didn't use worry. You used faith. Right. You you used the tools that right. he had assigned you and so right. praised me for this situation. Right. And and over and over again. So you do you make a list of all the things he's done for you in the yes. past? Yes. Yes. And that, I, I recall all the things. So you it. recommend that people write down the many times that God has has taken them out of a situation. Right. Yeah. It's, whether whether it's a big one or a small one, you know, call bring into remembrance those things that the Lord has done for you, because and the Scripture tell, says, and, "Bring me into remembrance." What is it you need, my son or my daughter? And, right. And, so. You know, you begin to look at, hey, you rescued me from this mess, that mess, and, and no matter what I do or how short I fall, there's super abounding grace for that problem. You know, the Bible says that where sin sin uh, abounds, grace super abounds. So there's so much grace for a situation. You just have to access it through through the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that I messed the situation up, but thank you, I'm covered by the. I blood. think you said the key word, access it. You know, access we have it. to come to the, the Bible says godly skill, you know, is accessing so right. we can understand how to live here on earth. Right. Understanding the way I, I understand it is mm. to keep your hand from sin, mm. which a lot of people sin, you know, mm -hmm. pornography, mm -hmm. uh, or even mocking. gossip. Judging, yeah. Beer is a mocker, strong drink mm -hmm. is a brawler. You know, when we mock others, we lose our spiritual. Mm, we shouldn't. And, you know, the, the, the Word of God is so tender, so, mm. so fragile. God even tells us, He goes, when you call another person a fool or raka, you're in danger of, of a hellfire or you're in danger of the council. Like if there's the a, yeah. a court, a heavenly court, they're watching us, mm -hmm, and either mm -hmm. either they're going to admire us, or they're going to give us to the destroyer, hand us over to the destroyer. Mm -hmm. So hopefully the, the flesh will be destroyed, mm -hmm. and the spirit will yell, Abba, Father, and you'll save the spirit. So, so yeah, you, I guess want to also say that um, thanking God for the difficulty or what you're going through is probably the biggest test that we have on this earth. Beautiful. Because it's not easy to overcome your flesh and say, hey, I've got a problem, and how am I supposed to be grateful for something bad? Beautiful. Well, we have to remember, God is on the throne. He controls all things, and he has the power to turn around and restore the problem for you, a hundredfold. And so um, I just believe that... Um, the more we practice it, even if you you can't say, thank God I'm a misfit, but you can say, thank God for the traffic, Lord. I praise you for the traffic because you got me at the right place at the right time. See, now my, my, I've had a shift in my mind. I'm not looking at, I'm not frustrated because I'm in the traffic. I'm saying, thank God my God's got me at the right place at the right time. He's probably preventing an accident for me right now. I don't even know it. You just reminded me when I was working for Safeway out of Tracy, driving semi, and I had to make a delivery to Berkeley, California. Mm -hmm. And I looked at the sheet. Now, Berkeley is an old town. The store was made back in the 50s to little trailers. I have to, you know, and I know the store because of the trouble of the old ladies, the cars, the... It's just obstacles, so many obstacles going to Berkeley. And then I said to myself, I'm not going to be able to make this money because it's piecework. Mm -hmm. 
So I'm, uh, I'm barreling over the hill, the Altima, and then I'm coming down 580, and I ran stop solid on the freeway into traffic. And th they just pay us piecework. Whatever that piece of paper says, $65 or $70, that's, and I need to make at least three of those to mm -hmm. make an even day. Mm. So I'm stuck in the freeway. Ooh. And I remember what you just said. I started, uh -huh. I started thanking God for the sea of cars. I wow. started praising Him and thanking Him. Uh -huh. And then I, clo I closed my eyes and I opened them and it's still standing still. And I praise Him some more and I open them and they're still standing still. And I praise Him and praise Him. But you know, we crawled and crawled. Finally, I just, finally, you know, about an hour later, I get to the Berkeley store. And sure enough, the little ladies weren't there. I scooped in there and scooped out in the back. I backed in on the first try. And when I got there, something happened that for the first time, there was three young uh, uh, store managers. And they, and they each had a pallet jack. Wow. And, and they said, go take a break. We'll unload it for you. And and what normally takes me an hour to unload and take the milk to the freezer box, the meat to the meat department, wow. the produce to this. And, and they wow. did it all for me. Hallelujah. <laughs> I got out of there that hour that I would took. Uh -huh. I was out of there and I got back in time like there was no traffic. Wow. Now you're telling me there isn't a God. So you yeah. just, I have to write that one down. Here, I'm about to give you a pen because I like to ask you to put that in the journal for your book. <laughs> But um, what I want to just close with is that, um, you know, we start with the small thank yous mm -hmm. in problems. And then we can, we can you know, a, a person that takes good counsel will, if it's a big problem, will begin to implement it right away, even though they don't understand it. But if you can't do that, you can't understand the concept, start testing it by doing the small steps. Thank God for your mother-in-law. Thank God for your sister and brother's. Thank you, know, you get your feet are, Yeah, thank you that you're, for your emotions are, are raw. Whatever, just start small and begin to see God answer you. Uh, but what I want to say is I know that this is, this is the way because um, on a consistent basis in this season that I'm in, God has been showing me uh, th through thanksgiving and praise is how he works. Mm -hmm. Because um, I, I know even like, I want to say seven years ago, when we were first got married, um, I had the dream about the mountain. Okay, there was a big mountain in front of me. It had snow on top. I was in a building by myself. There was a big clear glass, and I, in that dream, I knew that that there was the mountain was going to come down, um, and that you know that something bad was about to happen. It was a beautiful sunny day, but I saw this huge mountain was going to come through the window kind of thing. And then what happened was, as I began to praise the Lord in the dream, because that was my first instinct, uh, I began to I praise you, Lord, I thank you. And the next thing I know, I've been translated free of harm to Portland, Oregon, which we've got to visit, by the way, because Bobby and Carla are there. But I, I got translated to this peaceful little small country town and um, as I was talking to people in the, in the little, it was like a little shop where they sell jams and jellies, really country shop. And I was like, hey, didn't you hear about what had happened? Not a person had heard anything that bad it, that had happened. So um, that was another instance where it was very significant that God is teaching me the strategy here on this earth to get through life. So, but in this season right now, we're in January 17th, last year, 
2016 for a few like maybe a quarter a few months all I've been getting in my dreams a theme of when I'm talking to people and I'm, I'm encouraging them you know what's coming out of my mouth is we have to thank God for that situation you know I'm as I'm working with people let's thank God for that we have to thank God you know so God is giving me the strategy for others so not only for myself but I'm to teach this to others and you've been working with a Uber driver yes the Uber, lady? Uber driver yeah and she's like a single mother with a yeah. guy that drinks that I right. work with a, a, right. and he couldn't get it huh right he's still drinking well, yeah, but um, she got it, and that's what matters, you mm -hmm. know, because uh, her, her, you know, she's carrying she's a big amazing. load. Amazing. Yeah. She's able to keep the house up. Yeah, yeah, because Thanksgiving and praise. Amen. Amen. So be it. Thank you. Thank you for this interview. God bless you. Have a good day. Bye. You should have been, yeah.